Hello, welcome with to your the, bad self to the ONG Strike Zone. Another live episode here. Brian Fulford here, Marcus Green, Kelvin Rozier. Good to be on with you guys. Uh, how you guys doing this evening? I'm hype. Yeah, it's on the cusp now. We got what? Yes, sir. Literally, literally a month. Today's the 26th, so I guess the week zero is a week from today. I'm, I'm sorry, Man. a month from today. Man, we got the preseason rankings. You know, we back at football activities. Man, you know, I went by the scoreboard is is is, is up. You know, and man, I'm I'm hyped, man. Let's go, let's go. Thirty nine days to the OBC. Thirty nine days to the OBC. We are. This is the official kickoff to season number three of the ONG Strike Zone. So season three underway. Fellas, give yourselves a round of applause here. We've made it through the past two years. You know, we, we could not have imagined. We, we've gone through some highs and lows in year yeah. two. Uh, you know, we started the year with our, with our brother Kofi. Unfortunately, we did not end it with him. But we, we learned so much about the love uh, of Rattler Nation and this family uh, for Kofi and, and his family. And so that's been uplifting in all of this. And so as, as we move forward here into season number three, uh, we, we dedicate it to, to, to making sure that we are bigger and better and continue to, to do, to ask the tough questions, you know, because as Kofi would say, you, you can't get anywhere if you, if you don't ask. You got to ask the questions. And so we will continue to ask why. We will continue to challenge. We will continue to support and show love because we are rattlers and we there do everything. Go. We do everything excellent. And um, you know, we, we we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna be above. I, I'm gonna say this right here. I'm yeah. gonna stay above. Hold on, am I, am I in the screen all the way? Am I go in ahead. the screen all the way? Close I'm, up. Gonna, I'm gonna stay. Hold on, let me go, let me go close up. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going to stay above petty. I'm going to stay above. I love petty, but I'm going to stay above petty. That's all I'm going to say. I don't like jelly donuts. Go high when they go low. And I don't work for the swack. I'm just going to say that. All right. So leave all the rest of that foolishness. I can. I love Twitter. We can have fun on Twitter and all that other stuff. Okay. So it's all good though. We appreciate you guys supporting the show. Hey, That's all let, I'm going to say something. Go ahead. We do what we do. Exactly. And we love what we do. And other people do what they do. And love they love it. what they, they do. Exactly. Grown people, you know, we grown folks, man. We ain't going to go back and forth and, wow. and, no. and, and you know, over foolishness. Nah. Yeah. We got... We got we got we got Rattler Nation here. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. So we're gonna we're gonna keep doing what we what we do and what we love to do and what we love to talk about. So hey, uh let's give some quick shout outs here because already we got some uh, a great group of people here, a lot to talk about uh today already. Let's see who we got. Sam 
Tim Dixie jumping in way early, too, on the YouTube uh, chat, as well as Kenneth Rozier. Uh, Dr. Lori jumps in. Good to see you. Doc uh, Bull jumps in as well. We also got Melissa Wilson. Uh-huh. Checking in. Of course. Man, we, we need to have a tailgate. We're getting close. We're yeah, getting close. We, we got the tailgate crew around here. Go ahead. B Starks, uh, Meredith, uh, Mary305. I think that was before we even hit the live button. So shout out to, to everybody there. Tamara T. Tony checking in. Good to see you. Tony. Uh, yeah. Sacco uh, checking in. Let's see. Who else uh, checking in? Uh, my guy, Drew. Good to see you, Drew. First one on Facebook, James Austin. Ah, who's who's in the running for the women's coach? Already, hey, already with the tough questions. Already with the tough questions. Marcus checking in. Good to see you, Marcus. Good to see you. What's up, uh, Stephen Campbell, Mister Mister Campbell. Well, hey, we we, we up, appreciate it. we appreciate it, man. We appreciate the. Oh, I tell you, good times at the Swack Media Day. Hopefully, everybody got a chance to uh, watch. BCSN coverage uh, of all that. Yes, I, I am. I am, Tamara. I, I will. I am. It's all good. Uh, and, and so, yeah, you know, hey, it's we swipe media day. Big day for Rattlers in uh, Rattler Nation. Uh, so we will talk about uh, all of the good happenings there. We also had uh, some good news, uh, some things happening in Tallahassee around our programs. Good news. I said good news happening around Tallahassee with our programs, right? I said good news. Uh, coming up at the bottom of the hour, our offensive coordinator, Coach Joe Henry's coming in to join us at the bottom of the hour. So a lot of people talking about the offense. You know, that was one of the big buzz things going on at the SWAT media day yesterday. Everybody wanting to know, you know, who who's going to be the next – Xavier Smith, you know, how is Musa going to distribute the ball and so on and so forth. So um, <laughs> it'll be interesting to kind of talk to, to Coach Henry about stuff like that. Um, so we'll have him. And really, this show is at this point, it's just us and you guys. So, you know, keep your comments, uh, you know, keep them clean. You know, let, let's have fun. I know Dr. Lori's in there. So uh, Doc will put you in timeout. And snipe you if, if you if you get out of control, but uh, you know it's it's all good. It's all good. So I know eventually uh, the the other the other folks will probably eventually tune in and find us because that's what they do. They always want to know what's going on with us rattlers. So I understand it. I understand it. Ah, so fellas, uh, all right. Let's let's start with the let's get let's get it. Can we get it out the way early, Kelvin? Go ahead. Let's go. Let's roll. All right. So I obviously Kelvin and I, hopefully if you got a chance to catch Kelvin joined me and AD Drew on the uh, sports wrap on Sunday, we spent about a good hour talking about the whole um, rap music video shot in the locker room. I, I saw a lot of good, a lot of comments from a lot of you guys. Um, you know, I, I think uh, we put a poll out asking if you agreed with coach Simmons decision to suspend the activities when he did and getting out in front the way he did. I think 65% of the people who voted said they did. Uh, there was a, you know, there was a small percentage who uh, chose to 
who said either suspend a few and not the all. And I think the other one was it's no big deal or something like that. So um, needless to say, that was the weekend. And that 48, but Kelvin, it was kind of funny, right? You know how the news cycle is. And, and I told Drew this, there is the Friday news dump works. It does. It works. Coach Simmons got out Friday evening with this uh, announcement. It got picked up, blah, 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 you know. And then you had President, uh, Dr. Robinson pick it up Saturday afternoon. A.D. Sykes picked it up Sunday morning I mean, in terms of giving their comments. But guess what? By the time Sunday evening rolled around, it kind of wasn't really being talked about as much. It had kind of – it lived its life. And guess what? On Monday morning, my biggest fears were what, Kelvin? What did I worry about on Monday morning? That the, the the national uh, broadcast folks picking it up and and um, breathing life into it again, and and guess what they didn't, they didn't. I, I don't I, I didn't see it on first take. I didn't see it on Get Up. It wasn't on ABC. All the shows that I kind of was like, yeah, you know, it might end up on those. It didn't. So uh, it, hey, let me just say, and it didn't deserve to be. Um, okay, I agree. I like the fact that coach got in front of it. And then um, something we talked about on the show Sunday, I, I, I'm glad to see that it, it was practice. They had a statement ready Monday afternoon going into Tuesday SWAC media days where, you know, essentially, you know, the investigation to continue continuing, but uh, football activities are back and there'll be no further comment until, you know, everything takes its course. And, you know, it's hard to, keep things going once you done put that statement out there. So I thought that was a good statement to have. And, and um, we moving forward, man. And that's good. It's football time. Marcus, uh, give your, give, give your thoughts. Uh, you know, however you want to surmise and, you know, good, bad, ugly whole cycle of the weekend, your thoughts. Well, I mean, yeah, I had some thoughts about it in terms of what should have happened. I think coach got out in front of it handled it as best he could and, and the best we could ever expect. And we hopefully we don't have too many situations like that, but you've seen in just about every situation that Coach Simmons has handled it with class and expertise. As far as the event itself, I mean, I'm like, yeah, I mean, there's a process and protocol for that. And we'll see what happens as the result of the investigation. But I think it was it was handled well and seemed like it had a lot of steam in the beginning and you still see all these whatever accounts on social media still sending the news out even after it's been announced that football activities have resumed. So, you know, just looking forward to actually having something to talk about besides theoretical stuff, but like things on the field. Yeah, and exactly. You know, Monday uh, or actually the announcement came out that uh, activities resumed, football activities resumed. Uh, guys were able to get back into doing the stuff they needed to do to get ready. Uh, we were guys report to camp on Wednesday, August second, and then they start their first practice. I believe it was Friday, August fourth, yep. if I recall. Yep. So that's the timeline. So, you know, obviously, the 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 questions weren't they they were there during SWAC Media Day, but it, it didn't it it wasn't like. And I think part of that was because activities had resumed, you know, and I, and I think we I think everyone kind of realized, 
okay, it was good to shut everything down for 72 hours, serve the, the strong message that, hey, this isn't acceptable. And I'm sure after they had their meeting on Monday. All right, Monday morning. Monday morning, it, you know, we got we to gotta do better. We have to all be accountable for what happens in our space and, you know, go from there. And whatever the internal investigation pops up, I, I mean, you know, uh, uh, whoever, if it was a student involved in, in in the timeline of things, which I'm look, the, I'm still curious about. I know some of you online are still worried, you know, wonder how to get in there. And all. that will eventually come out. It, it, and I, it, it should. I would hope that somebody just gives a timeline. I don't think it needs to be Coach Simmons. I disagree. I disagree, really? man. Really? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I would rather for them to handle it internally. Whatever they're going to punishment, they're going to do internally, man. And keep it moving, man. It, okay. it don't need to be a circus. It, I mean, it was a, it was a. At the end of the day, this is how I feel. I'm. A, it's a damn video. <laughs> it was a video. <laughs> all right. I didn't seen. I didn't seen and heard worse. Uh, I understand what, like, like I said on the show on Sunday. I understand why the universe wanted to kind of distance itself. I want to make sure that everybody understands protocol and and, mm-hmm. and having assets and stuff. That's 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 perfectly fine, but you know, at the end of the day, I mean, it, it is what it is, man. And like so, like I say, yeah, like I say, and I know you two guys can attest to this. Um, it wasn't <laughs> like we weren't we weren't listening and reciting NWA and Luke Skywalker and Poison Clan, you know, so. You know, I ain't finna be a hypocrite now. Right. I, I mean, obviously the question is, was there a proper resolution? And some people will ask that, you know, and it's too early to say. What And, and what is proper resolution? What is proper? You know, I and, and that's going to be decided for the administration and administrators to talk about. Um, I don't think it'll be swept under the rug. And you know, I, I don't, well, but I also, there's no such thing. They, they play yeah. that, they, they play all that kind of music songs, hype songs during practice in the locker rooms, not just that sport, all sports. Uh, and like, like I mentioned on the show, man, I just went to Essence Festival, it ain't the same, man. You know, bed the stallion closed it down on Sunday. And I mean, it, it, you know, it is what it is. That's that's young people doing young people things. That's how I look at it. All right. Tamara T said, Coach did a good job talking about it at the 220 Club today. So for any of you guys who got a chance to watch that, I was moving about all day today, um, you know, going on from from there. Um, okay. Can we – I know there's a lot to talk about. We got a lot of stuff involving various sports. We've, we've got uh, news and notes to talk about, not only with uh, – with, um, uh, some of our other programs, but but let's get to the big storyline coming out of SWAC uh, Media Day, and that's uh, the Rattlers pick preseason first in, in the, the in the East. Now, mm-hmm. let me let me say this, and I, I don't have a, any kind of fancy graphics pulled up to to uh, to explain this. So, for those of you who may not have Peak the standings. So I'm going to give out the the standings, right? And I and I I want your reaction to the standings, okay? 
Um, <laughs> I love this, uh, Doctor Lori. There you go. That's old school right there. Put it on the put it on the board. Find a whiteboard or a chalkboard somewhere. In a man, old they do they, they 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 do everything with uh, computers now, man. <laughs> make them make them type it. Make them type it. One thousand, ten thousand. Oh, she say a thousand or ten thousand. One, yeah. Make them type it on the uh, typewriter or or they or they phone. Okay, boy, you old yeah. school, man. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> And it probably just dictated to the phone and just let it say multiply times a thousand. There's fine. Okay, so here's the uh, predicted order of finish that was released. Okay, now they when you hear the points, the points are awarded based on your standing. So you get like six points for first, five points for second, four points for you know fourth, so on and down. Three for three, two for two, one for one. Right? Okay, so. Uh, starting in sixth place in the SWAC East, Bethune Cookman with 34 points. In fifth, Mississippi Valley State with 35 points, but there were two first place votes. There's going to be a trend here in a second. Fourth was Alabama AM, 73 points, two first place votes. So you say, you say the number five team had two first place votes? I and the number four team. Hold on, I'm not okay. done though, Kelvin. Number three is Alabama State with 80 points. Also, two first place votes. In second place was Jackson State, 94 points, two first place votes. In first place, Florida AM, 116 points, 16 first place votes. Now, here's what I was told. The SIDs and coaches vote on this. So we're Can talking they vote about their own school. Okay. I asked that very question. Now I was told that they are not to I are not to vote for themselves. But come on now. I asked this I I do you believe that? Do you believe that who no. voted who Bally got two? Alabama got, got two. two. Alabama, Alabama State got two. Got two. Yeah, man. Texas State got two. Yeah. Come on now. And for me, it's just preseason, but man, I still want things, whatever we produce, to be credible. And mm. when you do stuff like that, you know, it takes away from the authenticity. So uh we gotta do better. Well, there there's a there's a there's a and now look, there's a strong contingent of media folks who have long been asking for the SWAC to allow the media to be involved. Now, apparently from what I'm told, the coaches don't want the media involved. They don't want media voting in these polls or these rankings. And the, and, and it's the same for the preseason and postseason awards. Okay. So there, I mean, you know, that's just how the swag has done it. And so there's a, there's a lot of talk about that. They, they they need to reconsider and open it up some, diversify, dilute some of this, what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, and Brian, and can you run it, those numbers again? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So again, the number you want just the total points or the first place? First place. Okay. So I'll start from the top again. FAMU, 116 points, 16 first place votes. Then Jackson State with 94 points, two first place votes. Alabama State was third. 80 points, two first-place votes. Alabama A&M, 73 points and two first-place votes. 
Valley with 35 points and two first place votes, and then Bethune Cookman with 34 points, no first place votes. So not even okay. so us, yeah. So that's how that went. Um, let me move over to the West. Over in the West, Arkansas Pine Bluff finished sixth with 33 points. Fifth place was Prairie View A&M with 68 points and two first place votes. In fourth was Grambling State, 69 points and two first place votes. In third was Texas Southern, 73 points, but just one first place vote. Uh, second place was Alcorn State, 94 points, six first place votes. And Southern received the most total points with 122, and but they had 13 first place votes. So by the prediction of the voters, you would have a SWAC championship game between Florida A&M and Southern University. Who play in the regular season. Who do play in the regular season. And yeah. the winner of that game, that if that if that holds true, the winner of that game will probably be the one who hosts the SWAC championship game if both teams make it to the SWAC championship game. Right. Yeah, the um, what's your what's your thoughts on that on that southern on those southern votes, Marcus, on the um, on the western side rather, and southern finishing first. Your thoughts? How can I put it? That's kind of curious. Uh, now, and if I juxtapose it with with the east, and I'm getting a little ahead of some of the things we might talk about later, but I did a little number crunching, and hopefully my numbers add up. But you look on the if you look at the number of repeat players mm-hmm. who made uh, 2000, the 2022 end of season all swag team and those who made it to the 2023 preseason team, Famu's got six, Alcorn's got five. I think Southern's got two. So I'm just curious, you know, how that matches up. So hopefully my numbers are right. But it, when I was doing the numbers right before the show, I was like, Wow, you know, Southern's got a lot of votes, but they don't have a lot of star power returning. And Alcorn's got five repeat people from last fall. And it just is well kind of curious to, to see how that, gonna, that plays out. Yeah, I was just going to say, Texas Southern also has uh, their core returning, and they added some nice mm-hmm. pieces. So I, I, I already on, on rubber saying that I think the West is going to have the champion is going to have three conference losses at least. Like last year, and it's probably gonna be a tie and come to some kind of tiebreaker scenario. But I agree with you, Alcorn and um, Texas Southern, and maybe Prairie View, they're all gonna be kind of lumped together. I think. Yeah, there, there's a you know, in, in talking with a lot of the the media folk, uh, you know, you look at those five teams: Southern, Alcorn, Texas Southern, Grambling, Prairie View. Um, it, it's, it, it, it may come true what you said, Kelvin, about the whole three, would you say three, somebody's going to have three, three losses, three conference losses and, and, and a tiebreaker scenario, which is what happened last year. Yeah, because it, it's going to be, inter, you know, I think you got obviously the returning starter in Andrew body of Texas Southern. You've got, 
Yes, they have a returning quarterback as well. But what Alcorn has coming back is, one, Alcorn has – they have defense. They've got a returning runner. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got a quarterback that Coach McNair is sheepishly excited about. Yeah. Coach McNair is the now senior statesman in the conference. They've got a full home game schedule again, you know, because they had to take a hit the last two years with their home game schedule due to 2020. So there's a lot of optimism uh, and belief there with Southern. So I, I think anybody can look at those teams in the West and find fault. Um, you know, when people were talking about FAMU, one of the biggest questions that people have about FAMU is the running game. It, it, it's probably the only thing that I think, think I heard people kind of pick apart and wonder because obviously we we were ranked dead last in the conference last year uh 94 yards per game uh you know a thousand yards total so when people kind of try to say well what's what's fam you going to be this upcoming year can I trust that they're going to have a running game like they had two years ago that's that's what people are wondering about I, I think that I think more people are wondering about that than they are who's going to be the next Xavier Smith. Uh, or, you know, because I, I think there is depth. And, and so I, I think that's the, the big question. Did you guys happen to hear any other questions or reading other things that people are asking about FAMU other than really the running game? Marcus. Marcus. Uh, I have not. I mean, I mean, I haven't seen a whole lot of running game questions and just from the general populace, but I mean, I know that's something in the back of our mind. And Coach Simmons made a point to to speak on that, and he actually talked about it during one of his interviews yesterday, where or something before the SWAC, either during the SWAC media day or just before, where they mentioned that in 2021, you know, they had a, an inexperienced quarterback, so they leaned heavily on the run with Rashawn McKay since he was a first-time starter for FAMU. But then, I guess with the experience, or at least the, the the collegiate maturity of Jeremy Musa, they kind of went past heavy. And the stats mm-hmm. indicate that. I think we passed almost 410 times and rushed roughly 340 or something like that. But I know rushes also include quarterback sacks, which we didn't have a lot of. I think we had 20 or, or low double digits. But even still, yeah, we were, it was almost yeah, we were, a flip. Yeah, yeah We had but, good pass protection. Last year. That, that was the one thing, yeah, I was going to say. That was the one thing uh, that our O-line did well and kind of led the swag in protecting the quarterback. We didn't give up. You know, I think we had at least sacks in, in the swag. And, I, and, yeah, I did have to remind a lot of people, 17 returners, 17 returners on the offensive line. So that's a, that's a big deal. So uh, those of you, hopefully, if you have not read uh, Kelvin's season preview, Make sure to head over to uh, mybcsn.info, or uh, you can find it on our Facebook page. Um, you can find Kelvin's uh, preseason prospectus and uh, uh, just a lot of great breakdown of what the uh, roster will look like this upcoming fall. So let's do this. Let's get ready to take a break because our guest is in the waiting room, and that's going to be Coach uh, Joe Henry. And we'll talk to Coach Henry here on the other side of this break. You guys uh, who are in the chat, Facebook, YouTube, please hit that thumbs up button, if you would, wherever you're watching us. And we will be back in just a short moment 
with Coach Henry, and we're going to talk all things offense and FAMU football coming up on the other side. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone right here on the Black College Sports Network. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. If you think all pads are exactly the same, think again. This is Always Ultra Thin's reinvented with the Always Triple Protection System. This pad wicks gushes 90% faster, absorbs even more so you can feel dry, and locks odors in. Rethink your pad for up to 100% leak-free and odor-free comfort with the totally reinvented Always Ultra Thins. This is always like never before. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay, call Cuvay. For the latest information on Southern University Sports, the Southwestern Athletic Conference, and HBCU Athletics, there's only one place to go. Tune in to the Carlos Brown Show, exclusively on the Black College Sports Network. T. Madden & Associates is a sophisticated and experienced law firm located in your neighborhood. We're turning injury to cash. T. Madden & Associates obtained almost $2 million for my injury. They turned my injury to cash. Now, we can't guarantee how much your injury is worth, but we've recovered millions for our clients. Call T. Madden & Associates at 833-PAID-123. That's 833-PAID-123. Stride K-12 powered schools are ready to put over 20 years of being a leader in online education to work for you. Dive into curriculum design for the online classroom. Team up with state-certified teachers nice. trained in virtual instruction. Take control of your child's education journey. Discover the power of personalized learning with a leader experienced in preparing kids for a future they can be excited about. Take charge. Stride K-12. Enroll now for the fall.
All right, welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Marcus, Kelvin, it's a pleasure to be joined by our uh, offensive coordinator of FAMU football, Coach Joseph Henry. Coach, how you doing this evening? Yeah, I'm glad to be here. It's been a, been a while since I, you have me back on, but I'm fired up to, to do it again. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, we, we, we try not to bother you guys too much during the season, but, but, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do better. We'll do better and have you on more, you know, definitely this upcoming year. Um, yes, sir. So, hey, how, let's talk. How, how was your summer? How was the off season for you? It's been busy, but that's a good thing. You know, busy um, in regards to the amount of work that the guys are doing, uh, busy in regards to the recruiting we've been doing. Uh, it's been busy in relation to the preparation that we've been doing for this season. Uh, you know, this is kind of the exciting time of season. You had uh, SWAC Media Days just passed. There's this air of excitement that, you know, everybody thinks they're going to win a championship right now. So we've been doing everything since the last game of the season uh, to put ourselves in that, that driver's seat and to put ourselves in position uh, to go take what we feel like is rightfully ours. I, I hear that. Do, do you feel like with – you know, it's busy, and it feels like it's busier these days for you guys as coaches, maybe because of the transfer portal. Uh, do you feel like there's enough time to get away from it, or do you kind of – you just go right from the end of the season, you got recruiting, then you got spring, then you got, you know, what talk, what's – Camps. Camps, yeah, I forgot about that, yeah. What's getaway? <laughs> that's, that's my um, well, I, I hear that a lot a lot of coaches are saying that same thing like what get away what's that yeah listen it, it is so much busier um this will be my 15th season to coach coming up and when i jumped in this coaching game immediately when i was done playing in 2010 um it looked completely different and each year it seems like there have been these monumental or i'm sorry uh minuscule creepings just taking another weekend away here, two more weeks here, extending the recruiting calendar here. Uh, and then you got the transfer portal that's coming into play recently. And, um, you know, it, it just, with each passing year, there becomes more and more of a demand on your time. Uh, there becomes more and more of a demand on your energy. And you know what, it's, it's evolving. So at this point, it's kind of adapt or die, right? We don't want to be a dinosaur. Uh, we want to make it past those tough periods. We want to make sure that we're doing um, what we need to be able to still operate as effectively as we can as a, as an organization, uh, the same way any business or uh, any other company would, uh, you know, that's how we have to model ourselves. Coach Simmons has done a great job of hiring people, uh, in those needed areas as has AD Sykes, uh, to try to make sure that those gaps are covered, to try to make sure, uh, that, you know, the, well, there's a, there's a need for this now, boom, we got somebody hired to do that. So, uh, it's a group effort. Um, you know, sometimes it, it requires the guys that have been here to maybe take on a new responsibility, uh, put on a new hat. Uh, sometimes we bring somebody in to do that. Uh, but I, I tell you what, I commend Coach Simmons and, and his veteran leadership and the way that he's uh, steering the ship and, and navigating these, I guess, uncharted waters. True that. Go ahead, Kelvin. All right. So I'm the compound question of man, Coach. So let's go. So. The, this the only question I'm gonna ask about last season. I want you to um, kind of describe and, and what you saw in terms of specifically the run game last year. You know, we kind of finished at the bottom and so forth. What what you think happened? What you work? What didn't work? And then moving forward, you had seven, you had seventeen or eighteen guys in the spring. 
and um, you got some couple of guys who are coming off injuries. So you, I think you, your your room is about twenty deep right now, and we most are. of those and most of those guys have played. So talk about where we are now. How you feel going into the seat this, this season? That's a great question. Um, it was compound. I'm gonna hit all the parts and then some. So here we go. Uh, <laughs> the first thing that we did when the season ended is we critically analyzed how do we need to be able to how can we run the football better. Um, it starts with me as a coordinator, as an offensive line coach. It's my responsibility. It falls square on these shoulders here to make sure that FAMU is able to run the football because that's what everybody expects, right? We say we talk about the expectations all the time. We talk about the history. We talk about the tradition. And we talk about the expectations. It's not something that we're going to shy away from. It's not something that we try to tiptoe around. It's there. It's staring you in the face. And so we're very aware of that. Um, we have, so the first thing that we did was we evaluated ourselves, right? From a schematic standpoint, from a personnel standpoint, um, we went back and we watched our runs. We grouped them all together. Uh, I'm not smart enough to watch the first play of the season and then watch it all the way through. What we do is we take all of our uh, inside zone runs and we watch them stacked back to back to back to back to back. And what that allows you to do is you start to see some trends and you start to notice some things. Oh, you know what? We, we've struggled with this block. We need to get better at that block. So you make a note of it and we attack that in the springtime. We attack that in the off season. Um, you know, maybe uh, this player was not as effective as we needed him to be here. Let's try him on the other side. Um, so, you know, you look at it from a personnel standpoint. Uh, you look at it from a schematic standpoint. Um, we have recruited in a way, and I know y'all keep up with that, uh, like the back of your hand. We've recruited in a way that's going to allow us to run the football a lot better this year. Um, so it has been a uh, – it's not just a, a unilateral like, all right, we're going to do this one thing, and it's going to change. We took this holistic approach, um, and it started with me looking in the mirror and trying to figure out how I can be better, uh, whether it's the way I teach things, whether it's, um, you know, what plays we call, whether it's uh, – how we try to exploit or take advantage of, of certain defenses. Um, Cause here's what I believe. If, if I point the finger, if I try to pass the blame, nothing's going to get fixed. So a problem's only a problem until you get fixed. Uh, and we feel like we put ourselves in position to be able to fix that, that issue. Um, we are really excited about uh, the young men that we have coming back. You mentioned what we have in the spring. Um, we lost last year, uh, Darion Whedon. Uh, we lost Brian Crawford, uh, who I'd like to talk about here in a little while. We lost Tariq Bateman. So we lost three quality offensive linemen, but we've also brought in other quality offensive linemen as well. Uh, we signed uh, two big signees in, in the uh, December transfer portal period. Uh, they've been with us this whole spring. Uh, they almost, you know, as, as much as time flies, um, you know, it, it almost feels like these guys have been here for a couple of years. They've done such a good job. I'm talking about. Uh, Yannick Ogunlade, and I'm talking about Ashton Grable. These guys have done a great job of coming in, uh, figuring out where they fit in the room, uh, learning the offense, uh, being coachable, um, and they have absolutely lived up to the billing that we expected them to uh, up on recruiting them. So those are two guys that are going to help us. Uh, you mentioned uh, some injuries. Uh, Cesar Reyes played a very commendable first half against uh, UNC uh, playing out of position. He had been an interior guy for us all spring long. I'm sorry, all fall camp last year. Uh, and then we went, we got into our roster issues. Uh, he came to me, he said, coach, we need a tackle. I got you. Uh, he put his body on the line for us. Um, and, and we all know that he had an injury right there at the very end of the first half, uh, but he was balling. So we lost him early and that was a big hit, uh, but he's back now. Uh, he's in full force. Um, 
spent some time with them today. Um, high spirits, high energy, really excited about this coming year. Uh, got a bunch of starts under our belt. Obviously, Jalen Goss and Cam Coven are in preseason all-conference uh, nominations a couple of days ago. Um, things that they've worked really hard to earn. Um, and so I'm proud of those guys for that. They will be leaders for us uh, on the field, in the locker room, in the classroom. Uh, they've done a great job of really taking the bull by the horns um, and, and, and taking on a leadership role because of the, their veteran experience. You got TJ Lee, who's played all three interior spots. Charles Davis has got uh, as a walk-on, uh, as a walk-on red shirt. He's a scholarship now, so he, he is a guy that we're counting on that's going to be more experienced as we bring more who's just about to see the warrior So that we feel like a good job providing quality starting and quality depth for us to be able to beat our run game. All right. All right. Did we get did we get all of those? Questions in there, Kelvin. Coach, are we, are we still there with you? Yeah, I think his signal is going in and out. Yeah, he, he was he, he was good where he was. Let's see. I, I saw him earlier moving. Uh, give him a second to kind of pick it back up. Uh, I think that's what he's he's doing now. Um, did he happen to catch all your questions on there? Oh, uh, man. Uh, he gave great insight, man. Yeah. Uh, in yeah. terms yeah, of the no. breakdown. Yeah, he was very detailed, and that, that I, I've known Coach for a while. I mean, that's that's him, right? He's, right. He's a deal detailed kind of guy, and he's a straight up kind of guy, right? And to me, that's 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 leadership, right? Everything good that happened, it was is is everybody else. Anything that didn't work, that's on me. I got to get better. That's what that's what leadership looks like, man. And and I'm I'm extremely excited for him because uh, just like when we had Smith and Rock on the show. Um, last week, uh, he's got he's like I say he has depth and experience and size. Our line is probably going to average six five, probably about three fifteen, and um, we legitimately have a two deep mm -hmm. for sure with no drop off. Yeah, and, I'm, yeah. Go ahead. I was, I'm sorry. I was going to say I'm curious uh, when when he comes back. Uh, if I don't get an ask him, maybe you guys can ask him. I'm curious about that depth. Is like, do we have uh, since he's been uh, here at FAMU? Is this the deepest that we have been from a from a uh, you know potential starter role uh, here? And I think we got Coach Henry. He's about to check back in as he's logging back in. So I don't know. Maybe one of you guys can ask him. Let's see, Coach. We got you back. Yeah, I, I guess we had some technical difficulties. I saw y'all's head disappear, and so I was like, "Uh oh, I'm in trouble." <laughs> well, we, yeah, we, we had you. We, we, we had you. You got, you got most of the good stuff. So we had you there. So that, that's good stuff. Okay. Um, Kelvin, go ahead. I don't know if you had finished with your question for Coach or not. Well, well, no, he he did a great job of breaking down how he looked at the, you know, at the end of the season, how they approach looking specifically at the run game. Then uh, he started laying out all those guys. And on um, coach, where we lost at was uh when you was talking about seizure coming back and got had got injured, and you talked about uh your your walk on that you were gonna be relying on a little more. But ultimately, I guess the overall overarching thing is you have depth, you have talent, you have versatility, look like with your your group, and so does the, you know you sound very excited going into the season. 
I absolutely am. I'm proud of the way these guys have worked. Um, you know, it, it ain't a very sexy job being an offensive lineman. Um, it's one of those things, you know, you hear it when you're not able to run the ball well. Uh, when you do run the ball well, you just try to get a high five from the running back in the end zone. Um, and so it's, it's, a, it's a thankless job, and that's one of the things that we embrace. You know, you got to have a certain personality type to be able to do that on a daily basis. You know, y'all see us doing that 11, 12, 13 times a year on Saturday. These guys, it's a life that you live. It's a, it's a path that you choose. Um, I'm really proud of the way that these guys have been working. Uh, they have become quite a tight-knit group. We work out at 6 a.m. every day, five days a week. So, um, you know, I think they get up and brush their teeth first. Um, but aside <laughs> from that, you know, that, that's not always your most glorious hour of the day. Uh, but those guys – come to work on a daily basis you know coach Cole Forney has uh has applauded the work that they've put in uh since January uh, which requires a certain level of consistency right you got to be able to you know it's one thing to you know wake up one time at six o'clock it's one thing to do it for a week it's one thing to do it for a month those guys have been doing consistently now um since January so the work that they put in we just keep talking about it we keep believing that there's going to come a point this season where we're going to have to be able to fall back on that work that we've put in. Uh, we're going to be able to rely on uh, everything that we've done, whether it be in the weight room, in the classroom, on the field, in practice, walkthroughs, meetings, uh, something is going to come up from those, uh, those, those opportunities to work. And the fact that we've put in the work, we've given the sweat equity, uh, it's going to pay off at some point in the near future. So we're, that, that's what we're excited about. You know, there's uh, – it's, it's one thing to be, you know, a new movie's coming out. Um, you know, it's one thing to be excited about it. It's a whole other thing to be excited if you're on the production team or if you're, you know, it's just, it's another level. It's a new notch of it. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's the big reason why we're so excited because we put in all the work necessary. So now it's time to go get that payoff. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Marcus. Good evening, Coach. Thank you for coming on with us. Um, and looking at last year's statistics, um, it wasn't bad. It was about a 55 to 45 of pass to run. And I know it's, you know, from the outside looking in, you know, it kind of seemed like it was more than that or more skewed towards that. And so I wanted to ask in terms of how do you balance between having an experienced quarterback who's now in his second year in the offense and you would expect to be more efficient and perhaps more aware of what's going on downfield and balancing that with a more renewed emphasis on the run, given that it was, you know, wasn't it was slightly above 50-50, so it wasn't like 70-30 run pass run, so so it wasn't really skewed that way. So, how do we get more effective with the run game when we didn't necessarily have an out of balance uh, run call, uh, play calling from last year's stats? Yes, sir. Well, so and part of that part of the answer is going to piggyback on, on what I said earlier. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so let's dive into that. And that is, uh, we've done a bunch of studying over the course of this off season. And, and by studying, I'm saying, uh, some of the top offenses in college football, um, some of the top rushing attacks, um, some of the top, uh, red zone teams, uh, some of the most dynamic offenses. We've spent a lot of time breaking those guys down, evaluating why they do what they do, talking to coaches on their staff, uh, and figuring out what ideas, what schemes, what concepts that they do fit in with our personnel, with, with uh, our, our guys' ability to learn those concepts, uh, their ability to execute them. Uh, we believe in 
feeding the studs, and that is getting the guys uh, uh, whose names you all know, those single-digit number guys. We want to get them as many touches. We want to find ways to get them the ball in space. Uh, so we've really invested in, you know, trying to do that. And, and, and for our running backs, that's handing them the football uh, behind the line of scrimmage. That's throwing them screens. That's giving them quick passes out of the backfield. Just opportunities for them to get their hands on the ball in space and then go do what we brought them here to do. And that is we want to block them up to the third level, make, make that first man miss, and then see how far you can go with it. Uh, so we have spent a lot of time as an offensive staff. You know, we broke up um, kind of, you know, hey, I want you to go look at this. I want you to study this. I want you to figure out this. So we kind of divvied up some responsibilities, uh, and then we, we did some research. We came back together. So we do have some new ideas, and we feel like uh, we've got kind of got our foot in the door with those. Uh, in spring ball, this fall camp is really an opportunity to tighten the screws on that, and that is um, get some more reps at it and then figure out what we really do best and then take that tight package uh, and roll it out on the field week one. So um, that, that's going to be kind of a, what you see uh, early in the season is going to be accumulation of a bunch of studying, a bunch of uh, learning, a bunch of talking ball, a bunch of asking questions, uh, a bunch of trial and error. And that's really the fun part of uh, as a schematic branch of coaching. That's really the fun part about it because there's a little bit of mad scientist in it where, oh, you know, maybe we should try this or what if this happens? And sometimes you stumble into it by accident. Like, man, I can't believe that guy did this. And you're like, well, hang on. What if we did it again? It worked so well the first time. So it's kind of a combination of all those things. Uh, but that's that's really the, the fun part about it. And we got a great staff, man. I, I love working with these guys. Love going to, to battle with them on a daily basis. And, and that is we just kind of hunker down in our staff room. We put our heads together. Uh, we study. We learn. We bounce ideas off of each other. Uh, and then when we walk out of that door, we're going to have some good ideas. And, and, and everybody's selfless, right? We, we don't care who gets the credit. We don't care whose uh, brain that initially came out of. We don't, you know, sometimes, um, you know, one coach will have an idea and another coach, you know, makes it even better. So we're all working together. We're pulling the rope in the same direction. We're rowing the boat towards the same goal. And that is we just want that synergy so that we're all heading towards that, that ultimate goal. And that is a lot of what y'all are talking about. we got to be able to run the ball better. Uh, we got to be able to. There's two times uh, during the game we got to run the ball. We got to run the ball when we uh, want to be able to run it. And that's kind of early in the game. And then we got to be able to run the ball when we have to. And that's when uh, we know it. The, the the opposing team knows it. Fans know it. The announcers know it. Everybody knows. All right, listen, they're going to run the ball here. We still got to be able to run the ball in that opportunity, in that situation. So that's what we've been working towards uh, is being able to have success in those uh, situations. And, and I think naturally, as you have success, right? Uh, I mean, we've all played Madden before, right? You run a play, it works. Hey, two or three plays later, let's run again. Um, so, you know, you, you start to build some confidence in your offensive play caller. And, and, you know, everybody likes a play that works. So you, you hit it the first time, let's come back to it again. And so just, again, that is kind of that snowball effect. Then the players start start getting confidence. And, hey, you know, you, you get them on the sideline and you talk to them, hey, what do you guys want to run? And they start popping off these different different runs to you but they're all saying the same thing so that's kind of how you know you've got them where you want them and that's what we're working on developing we've been working hard man we've been working really hard uh to develop all that the scheme the personnel um the game plans the the camaraderie the you know having all the offensive line work as one running backs being in concert with them and that is you know trusting their eyes trusting the offensive line to fit up on guys that they need to fit on you know and the moose distributing the ball the way he needs to so um, it's all coming together. It don't happen on day one. You know, we've been through 15 spring practices 
And there are still some things where we're like, all right, we got to get better at this. We need to tighten this up a little bit. Let's try to, we, we talked about doing this in spring. We never really got to it. Now's the time to try it again. So we're really excited about all these things just coming, kind of coming to a head uh, here in early August as we start to get into fall camp. Um, there's going to be a lot of growth. There's going to be a lot of progress. There's going to be a lot of competition. And, and probably, you know, I was here in 18 and spring in 19 all last season. We probably got more competition on the offensive side of the ball uh, than, than we've had since I can remember. So uh, that's another thing that we're really excited about. Um, just just the depth. Um, you know, it's a it's a physical game, and inevitably. It's just it's the nature of the game. Guys are going to get dinged. Um, and so to be able to say, all right, next man up, and still have that same confidence level that, you know what, we can give him a bubble, or we can hand him the ball, or we can throw him a go or a double move, and he's going to do the same thing as the guy in front of him. Um, so we're excited about that part of our offense as well. Um, Coach, I'm glad you just talked about that, that depth because that's one of the questions where – and you mentioned it all over the field, I'm assuming, regardless of the position. You got depth at receivers. You got depth in the running back field. You got depth up front. Um, so let me ask about one more question about the offensive line. How, do, how does our line compare, or how would you say it compares to maybe other lines that you've coached or maybe even to stay within the SWAC? Um, do you feel like this is, this is an offensive line unit that they potentially could have the, the best running game? Or uh, I know last year we did a good job of uh, keeping the quarterback clean, leading in that category as well. What's your thoughts on how our offensive line looks compared to others that you've seen or maybe just your past years of coaching? So, um, and this is going to be maybe this is kind of the Sunday school answer, but the transfer portal has has really changed the game. And, and I tell you what, the transfer portal has been good to the Rattlers. So we've got on our offensive line, we have guys from Florida State, LSU, Texas State, Buffalo, Jacksonville State, South Florida, FIU. Like we have a roster full of guys that have played uh, power five and group five football. Um, so the bodies look good. You know, I mentioned it earlier. They've been uh, they put in the work. Um, we've done some body composition testing as of a couple weeks ago. Once we kind of got towards the end of our lifting phase at the end of summer, we're going to do that same test. Uh, it was a baseline earlier. We're going to test them again at the end of fall camp. Um, so we've got um, really uh, the best, the strongest, the most, no pun intended, healthy nutrition program that we've had um, since I've been here. So all these things are, are coming together and, um, you know, it, it starts with recruiting, and that's something that we've com we've committed to. Coach Simmons refers to it often. He alludes to it that recruiting is the lifeblood of our program. Um, we're going to lose good players, and we have to bring in good, better players. You know, that's our goal. Uh, I joke with my guys all the time. I'm trying to replace every last one of you. Um, and, and it's your job to not get replaced. You know, it's your job to put in the effort. It's your job to uh, learn the playbook and communicate well. It's your job to be accountable. It's your job to make sure that, you know what, coach is trying his hardest, but he just can't get rid of it. Um, so that, that's kind of the healthy competition between uh, my guys and myself. So, um, you know, we've got some tools um, that we were not afforded in other years. The guys are taking advantage of those. Uh, we've got a great um, nutritionist that's working with us. We got, obviously, Coach Horn is doing a great job at strength and conditioning. Uh, they have been more committed to trying to, get their bodies healthier through the training room. 
Uh, and I'm not just talking, oh, I had a surgery. I need to go do rehab. You know, that's two or three times a day. I'm talking, uh, we had a heavy squat day. My legs were a little sore. I need to go be proactive, not reactive. And I need to make sure that my legs are fresher for tomorrow. Um, and that's going to help keep me healthier and, and help with that longevity. Um, so, I mean, they're committed as, as a group of guys, as any group of guys that I've seen. Um, so I, I believe the progress we've made. But, you know, again, we're not in a position where we're ready to rest. We're in a position where we're chomping at the bit. Uh, and we're ready to take that next step. And that next step for us is fall camp. Uh, it, I anticipate that we will have more competition um, than I can remember having on an offensive line. I got guys, you know, the tough thing is you only get five. You're going to roll the ball out there uh, down in Miami at Hard Rock, and only five can run on the field. Um, so that number six guy, the number seven guy, the number eight guy, the number nine guy is going to be quality. Um, and and they're not necessarily not going to start because they don't deserve it um they're not going to start because somebody else probably deserves it a little more than they do so uh that's the point we, we believe that competition breeds success uh and it, it it forces everybody's um preparation to kick up a notch uh, it forces everybody's accountability to kick up a notch uh, it's going to force the leaders to be stronger leaders more vocal more present more engaged um and so, you know, all these things coming to a head, I am pleased with where we are right now, but the job's far from being done. So that's, that's where we got to make sure that today was the best day of work that we could put in. And then you go to bed and then you get to wake up and you get to do it again tomorrow at 6 a.m. And then you get to do it again the next day and you get to do it again the next day. That's the level of consistency uh, that we're aiming for. That's something that we talk about all the time is being consistent. Um, where you could have the, you could block three people on a play and knock all of them down great on that play what are you gonna do next play you know you could completely whiff and not touch the guy that you're supposed to block all right you had a bad play that's all right what are you gonna do on the next play so you can't make one great play turn into a bad play later you can't make one bad play turn into two bad plays so those are some you know all things that we're uh, that we're working on there those are all opportunities for growth and areas for improvement um and, and nobody to their credit guys nobody has shied away from any of that they understand the expectations. They understand the level of talent that we have in the room. They understand. I mean, we are, Coach Forney gave me the kind of the final stats on uh, the end of this summer uh, training period. And, and we are across the board, we're 6'4", 6'5", a little over 300 pounds. We got a couple guys that are uh, below three. We got a couple guys that are you know, a little higher in threes. We got some guys that are hovering around six foot. We got some six, 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 seven guys. Um, but overall, the average lineman at FAMU is about six, four and a half and, and a little over 300 pounds. So uh, we're going to put a good product on the field and we're going to play hard uh, and hey, let the chips follow as they may. Yes, sir. Kelvin Marcus, let's get our final questions here for Coach. Coach, I just want uh, uh, you to kind of talk about your relationship. You've been with Coach Simmons for, for a while now on, on, on several different stints, twice at FAMU, <laughs> and then, uh, of course, at PV. I kind of want to know, you know, I know y'all been together for a, for a long time, but how do you go about the process of game planning from week to week? Like, uh, you know, um. What plays we want to call? What do we think is going to work against this particular defense, against this particular team? 
how can we get the players that we want to have the ball in places where they're comfortable? Can we block that? Just kind of talk about how you all work together to to game plan from week to week. Absolutely. So the way I look at that, the way I like to look at it is it's it's part science and it's part art. All right. Part of it, there's a formula for. And if you don't plug this right variable or this right person in at this spot, it ain't gonna work. Um, and then part of it's art, you know, part of it, there, there ain't no rule book. There's not a handbook. Um, it's more of a feel. It's more of a, um, you know, this is what we think and let's roll with it. And we got to trust ourselves. You know, we talk as coaches all the time. You got to trust your eyes. You got to trust your thoughts. You got to trust your gut. And so, um, you know, I, I feel like we've got a great working relationship. We do a good job of, you know, bouncing things off of each other. Uh, and I'm talking whole offensive staff. Um, we're all in it together. And we got a great team of guys that uh, are, are willing to put in the work, are willing to put in the, um, you know, the hours, the time, the investment. Um, and, and then once we start to, so early in the week, we come up with this initial plan and we say, hey, let's put all these plays on the board. Let's put all these plays into our call sheet. Let's practice them. Let's see what hits. Let's see what doesn't. All right. We don't ever want to put a play on the field on Saturday. Uh, you know, maybe we dropped the ball on Tuesday in practice. Uh, we threw an interception on it on Wednesday. Um, it was incomplete on Thursday. And, hey, we're going to run that play in the first eight on Saturday. It don't work like that. It's going to get scrapped at some point before that. So, you know, that, that's part of the formula part. Like, if it just – if it ain't working, it ain't working. We got too many good players and we got too many good plays to try to throw something on that call sheet just to force, you know, a square peg into a round hole. So we always want to stay away from that. You know, another thing that I think we do a really good job of is – trying to communicate with our players and getting feedback from them. Um, you know, they are not shy. They, they have no qualms about coming up to you. Coach, I like that call. Or, you know, Coach, can we get that one in the first quarter? Um, you know, I, Coach, we got to call that at least three times. I, you know, I was feeling it in practice. So we get a lot of good feedback from our players too. And they're honest with us. They're open. Um, sometimes maybe to a fault. Like, uh, you know, the, we talk all the time, like, feelings – at this point in the game, they really don't matter that much. Let's be honest with each other. Let's let's keep it a buck. Let's shoot each other straight, and you know we'll, we'll deal with feelings later. So uh, sometimes we got certain guys on the team that don't hesitate, to Coach. Man, that, that's whack. Who came up with that? Golly, it was that. I was a good idea. So, so there's that. There's that honest back and forth with the guys where where they'll give you their feedback. They'll tell you what they're really thinking, and, and that's an important step in the process as well. So. Um, Part of it, to answer the question kind of in a nutshell, part of it's, you know, it's regimented. It's laid out on, my, on, on Sunday in the evening. We're going to do this, and we're going to have this part of the game planned up. Uh, on Monday, we're going to come in, and this is, this is what we're going to start working on. We're going to start watching. We're going to study this personnel grouping, and then we're going to go through, and we're going to have a plan. By the time we break for lunch, we're going to have this part of the game plan done. And then there's a lot of it, too, that's, that's more artistic. It's a little more feel. It's a little less, you know, hard and fast but we have to do this. Um, you know, so there, there have been times where, you know, coach is a junkie. He don't stop. And, and you know, he's watching film uh, all Thursday night. We don't have practice on Friday. It's our travel day. You see him on the airplane and he's got his laptop in front. There's times we've come into Friday night meetings and be like, all right, cut. this is what we're doing. All right, well, hang on, cut. What? And sure enough, it pops. So that's part of that art part of it uh, where you just got to feel, you got a gut, you got an instinct, and you go with it. You trust that. All right, go ahead, Marcus. 
All right, in the in spirit of our um, departed brother Kofi, um, you might have heard him yelling, run the ball from the stands. Could you talk about the versatility of the running back room? I see you have various skills and size, and just you know, how is that going to help achieve or even surpass the goals you have for the rushing attack? Well, I'll tell you what, I, I do not envy Coach Marcus Wendell. He's our running backs coach. He is our uh, run game coordinator on offense. And Coach Wyndham might have the hardest job on the, on the uh, staff. That is, we are primarily a one-back offense, and, and he has a room of about nine running backs that each uh, can make a really good case. That Coach, you need to feed me the ball. I need to rock. Uh, he does a great job balancing the, uh, the, uh, just the room. And, you know, I tell you what, man, the credit to those guys, they're all low ego. They're all high work ethic. Um, you know, Terrell Jennings is a guy that's been around. He's played a lot of snaps. He's taken a lot of carries and handoffs for the Rattlers uh, over the course of time. Uh, he is a big physical running back. You know, he's uh, a leader on our offense. He's been here since 2019. I actually recruited Terrell uh, when I was a running backs coach here. So we built a relationship through that process, and, you know, we're glad to have him around still. Um, you got Jacques Yant who transferred in. He's a local guy. Uh, but he's got power five experience. He's a big, fast runner. Uh, he was one of the high picks in our um, in our spring game draft. Um, a lot of coaches thought that he was a high-value target, so he went off the board early. Uh, you got Kelvin Dean Jr., who we affectionately call Wu. Uh, Wu is, is kind of your slasher. He's uh, he is a, um, a one-cut runner. He can make you miss. He got some wiggle, um, and he is more likely to uh, not get touched uh, than he is to get touched. Um, we got a lot of other guys. I mean, I, I could, we, we could talk. We got Leland Wilhoyt. Uh, who's explosive. You know, he's in our running back room right now, but he he's a guy that we can line up out wide. We can put him in the backfield, uh, but he's a guy that we want to get the ball to. So there is a long list of, of guys uh, that we feel confident in, in that have worked to earn our trust, that will protect the football, uh, um, that are, are going to do a good job of trusting their eyes, work with the offensive line. They know where they need to be. They know where they fit within the offense. Uh, they're willing to protect. And I know y'all talked a little bit earlier about um, – you know, having the fewest sacks in the conference, they're a big part of that. We're a big six-man protection team, which is five offensive linemen from the sixth uh, complementary offensive lineman, which is a running back on those plays. So those guys have done a good job of studying it up in the A gap and B gap, and they've tried to get some bull rushes before. Um, I, I tell you what, I'm proud of that room. I love the way that they work. Uh, low ego guys, they don't really don't care who gets the credit just as long as, you know, things are clicking and, and everything's going well. So Coach Wyndham's uh, done a great job. Hats off to him. Uh, but that, they're a big part of why we're excited about this this run game this season. Coach, I I, I can't believe we went almost twenty something minutes with you, and we we didn't even talk about the receivers because that's all people were talking about at Swag Media Day yesterday, trying to figure out well who's going to get the ball, who you gonna, who's Musa going to throw the ball to. So I'd be remiss if we let you out of here. I, and I'm not going to ask you to you, I mean, because we're real deep. But what's your thought on? Uh, how do you call it? Uh, post X. How do the life after Xavier? What's that going to look like for Jeremy Mooka? Well, to answer that first part of the question, I'm not going to dodge any of these questions now. If you got a coin to flip or a dice to roll, that's how we're going to figure out who gets the ball. Um, <laughs> okay. but, you know, we, we feel like we have. I tell you what, Coach Carter has done a great job of coming in, and he has, in a very short amount of time, uh, really transformed the way that room looks. Uh, and that is, we all know who Xavier Smith is. We all know what he's done for this program. Nobody, we, we've been on for what an hour and seven minutes now. 
we could talk an hour and seven minutes about what Xavier Smith's done for the family Rattlers. He ain't replaceable one man. So, um, you know, there's a lot of product chip there. There is a lot of experience there that's going to have to be replaced by committee. All right. Now, obviously, um, you know, Moose is going to do a, a great job of distributing the ball uh, where he needs to. This game at, at the NFL level and at major division one college football like we're playing, it's a quarterback driven game. Uh, um, so, you know, that's one of the, uh, the things that we're so excited about um, is that Moose is really, really spending a lot of time uh, with those skill guys. We do have some new faces. We got some older faces. We got some young faces that have been here for a year or two. They really haven't played very much. We got a lot of skill and a lot of talent. Um, so he has really invested this uh, summer, this spring, in spending time with those guys, uh, really digging into the nitty-gritty of the details of the position. He wants those guys, and, and he, I tell you what, man, he's a great teacher. He wants those guys to see the same things that he sees uh, as they're running routes. And, you know, uh, you need to shut it down right there. Here's why. Not just do this, do that, but here's what I see. Here's what I want you to see. So we're working on one. We're, we're working. We're on the same page. We're working at one accord. So um, Moose has done a great job of working with those guys. Coach AC's done a great job of recruiting his room and really elevating the talent level in there. Um, so, you know, there are even some guys that we brought in since the end of spring ball uh, that we know have ability. We know they have talent. We know that they're picking up the offense, but we ain't been in pads with them yet. Uh, so we're excited about that part of our offense as well. Um, you know, it, it is – you asked, you kind of tried to throw me a little curveball here. I, I didn't come on expecting to talk about receivers, but you better believe I'm find a way to bring it back to the O-line. we got to be able to protect. What, whatever routes you can draw up, um, whatever double moves and, and big posts and go balls and fades, and uh, all that don't matter if we can't keep moves upright. So we got to do a great job of um, scheming as coaches. we got to put our guys in a position to succeed. And that is we got to do a great job of scheming uh, how to protect those plays uh, because our guys are going to get open and they're going to make guys miss. They're going to catch the ball uh, with confidence. They're going to run through it. Moose going to put the ball where it needs to be. So uh, kind of like just about every one of my answers is, has wrapped up. we got the pieces in place. we just got to put it all together now. Well said, sir. Well said, Coach. Hey, we, we appreciate your time tonight. I want to give you the last word. Any, anybody you want to shout out, anybody, anything you want to let Rattler Nation know that maybe we didn't ask or that you want to talk about before before you uh, leave us tonight? Tell, tell me that last part one more well, time. I was just I saying, I, I wanted to give you the last word. Any, anything you wanted to say to Rattler Nation before, before we uh, go? I got you. Yeah, it, it's an exciting year. It's an exciting group of guys. Um, you know, we only got four home games, so we need support at all four of those home games. You know, it is – I got a counter going, and I don't know what the number is, uh, but it's been, I think, over 1,600 days since we've lost a football game uh, in Bragg Memorial Stadium. So we need the support. Uh, obviously, the 100 will be there. Student section will be there. Uh, we need you guys buying tickets. We need you all coming out to support these young men. They work hard. They work their butts off. Uh, and, and what we put on the field is going to be an exciting product. You guys are going to like to see it. Um, you know, that we've talked offense strictly this time. Our defense is something special to see, too. Uh, those guys fly around. They play hard. Uh, I think I'm the – I tell you what, they got a lot of depth as well. So, um, it, it's going to be an exciting year. You know, things are lining up for us to uh, have success. Just got to got to put the, the rubber to the road, and we need as much support as we can get from all the Rattler Nation. Well said, Coach. 
Uh, you guys, uh, make sure you guys hit Coach up. There you see his Twitter handle, at CoachHen501. Hit him up. Let him know, uh, you know, thanks, and make sure you follow him. Uh, Coach, thanks for your time tonight, all right? We appreciate you. Absolutely. Go Rattlers. Let's go. All right. Let's go. All right, Coach. <laughs> all right, Coach Joe Henry, we appreciate him jumping in and joining us. Uh, let's do this. Let's take a short break. Come back with our next segment. We'll talk a little bit about that interview with Coach and get to a few other uh, Rattler Roundup kind of things, maybe non-football related. Then take another break and come back and spend the final part of the show talking about uh, more SWAC media day kind of stuff and uh, just the preseason selection, so on and so forth. All right? So hang right in there. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. We're going to take a short break. Be back right after these words. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Supermarket sushi, really? No. Wait, Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working, huh? Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. <laughs> never not working. Never not working. Never ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. Dandruff protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology. The human voice has always connected audiences with experiences. Major brands all across America have trusted Kevers Voice time and time again. Conversational, powerhouse, intelligent, and sincere. That's the voice you need for your creative marketing process. K-E-A-V-E-R-S-V-O-I-C-E dot com. Kevers Voice, Kevers Voice, Kevers Voice dot com. Always on, all the time. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dash as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watts and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. At Hampton Law, our primary goal is to provide non-traditional yet effective solutions and redefine the approach to client legal concerns. As your trusted legal advisor, we believe in sophisticated, personalized services that eliminate the confusion and complexity sometimes associated with legal matters. Our high standard for client care and concern, coupled with our extensive legal knowledge and skills, make Hampton Law a resource focused on the protection of the client's interest and overall goals. We value our clients and truly enjoy working with them. Visit thamptonlaw.com to conveniently schedule an appointment online. Tamika Hampton Esquire. 1631 Rock Springs Road, Suite 336, Apopka, Florida, 407-494-1471. T. Hampton Law, 
Mattress.com. Majesty is a premium health and wellness tea line focused on bringing delicious yet healthy tea blends to the community. Filled with an abundance of vitamins and antioxidants, we work to blend teas with exotic spices and fruits to produce scrumptious and wholesome beverages. So check us out at MyMajesties.com. That's M-Y-M-A-J-E-S-T-E-A-S.com. My Majesties, an Urban Passport member. All right, welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Marcus, Kelvin, good to be back with you. I uh, want to encourage everybody to uh, make sure that you guys uh, go out on social media and hit up Coach Henry. Let him know you appreciate, uh, A, him taking time this evening to come on with us. Uh, make sure you, you let him wish him well going into this season because uh, that's how that's how these coaches, you know, they, they want to come back. And, you know, as long as you guys are, are watching and paying attention. And, you know, so I, I saw some people uh, hit up Coach Smitty Rock last week. Uh, we appreciate that. And uh, you guys show some love to Coach Henry as well. Find him on social media at CoachHen501. And uh, that way, when we reach out to Coach in the middle of the season, you know, he'll be up to come on and join us, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we can get some yeah. some some updates throughout the year, right? Brian, you know what we could do? Or we at least sure. try? Yeah. Uh, the one thing I did in my account is I created a list of HBCU paraphernalia accounts on Twitter. Mm-hmm. What if we create a list from the ONG Strike Zone account of all the coaches? Okay. And so it's, bas- it's basically like an accumulator or, or, or aggregator of the account. So if somebody follows the list, they'll see all the posts from the people on that list i do have i gotta go back and check the list i created a list uh i don't of most of our coaches but uh maybe marcus if you're able to check our ong social media page or uh at twitter or x whatever the heck they call it these days uh if you if you if you check that and let let me know what that list is and that way we can kind of do that i I like what you just said i want to make sure we we do that, and that way we have all the coaches uh, created a created a list. So I, maybe that give me something to work on while I'm traveling here over this upcoming weekend, family reunion style. So um, what other? Uh, hold on, I wanted to it, 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 do do some thoughts here, Marcus, Kelvin. Talk a little bit about uh, the offensive side of the ball expectations are high i wanted to try i want to take a second while you guys are talking i want to load up a couple of images here so i'm going to get let you guys kind of talk a little bit and then uh i know kelvin we got some some stuff to talk about non-football i thought we'd do all that here in this segment so just kind of you two kind of post game post wrap up here with the with the uh coach uh with coach henry's interview while i get this together marcus you go ahead and take the lead uh i was gonna say um you know, right before he came on, I was looking at our run-pass ratio. I'm surprised it was only 55-45 towards the pass. It just seemed like a lot more looking at it. The other thing is, you know, I was rolling up some stuff for a potential you know, document we may share, you know, depending on what you guys say. And, you know, looking at our stats from last year, 
Uh, we were, I don't, I don't have the numbers for 2021. I was trying to do a year over year comparison, but in total offense, we were like 75th in FCS. So we got some room for improvement. That's, that's basically on, on based on yards per game. So, you know, we can bump it up. And I think with the talent we have and having basically almost a two deep offensive line, which really wasn't an issue, you know, in terms of being a sieve, sieve last year, we only gave up 21 sacks. But I think we're going to probably have closer to equal yards in terms of passing and running, you know, whatever that looks like. Because last year we had about 2,800. 2,800 in pass offense, but only a thousand in rush. So that's nearly, that's a two and a half to one ratio, nearly three to one ratio in terms of yards gained. So I expect that to be a lot more balanced out, hopefully with a lot more that with higher numbers and higher production on both sides of the ball next year. Because I think we have potential with all the turning people and the pieces added. And there's no slight towards the talent accumulation of the other teams that were playing, but if everything goes according to plan, you know, we could see some numbers we haven't seen in years. And that's the exciting part for me, Marcus. We have 17 returning lettermen. I mean, most of those guys played and started because we had injuries, because we had the compliance stuff that at the beginning of the season. Uh, most of those guys and most of these guys are not one year started, two year starters uh, or players. And, um, Last year was the first year that everybody got to play together as one collective unit. So just like we talk about Moose's development and how he should look this year, that offensive line also should grow from last year also. Because you got to remember, a lot of players transferred in like Jalen Goss, and then we had to play a true freshman, uh, uh, Demas, at uh, center. And then Mm -hmm. we had uh, even Colvin was a transfer in. So we had a lot of new pieces. They may have been talented, but, you know, they were learning the offense. They were learning each other habits and so forth. And so I expect that just to look a lot better. One of the things I would say that was surprising to me in looking at last year, because it just didn't feel that way, but the two stats that's, that I'm going to judge this team by, we were pretty decent on fourth down, but it was a small seven size. And we were okay on second and third down short yardage. Okay. It wasn't stellar. But we struggled to get a yard or two when we needed. And then it it, it was reflected in the red zone. Mm -hmm. We scored in the red zone, but we had way too many field goals in the red zone. And I'm talking about inside the 10, a lot of times, we could not, you know, as Coach uh, Henry was talking, we didn't enforce our will on on teams and we, we would try to run the ball on a predictable and it was predictable and we'll get stuff or may lose yard then we'll come down on second down and try to throw it and we'll you know get a second we will try some fancy play you know <laughs> trying to get the receivers in, in, in you know behind a line of scrimmage man and and we just gonna have to be able to line up now i know kofi would ask this question and um <laughs> and i know coaches watching he mentioned about us being a one-back uh, offense. Well, Coach, this was you and, and Coach Simmons. Love y'all to death. But we got to get on the center. We got to have a, a second back in there sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> With two tight mm-hmm. ends. All right? We don't always have to be a one-back offense. And so I, I, that's one adjustment I hope that they'll make 
going into this season. But as uh, Coach Smith Rock talked about the defensive side of the ball, let's face it. We said we got 17 returning linemen, then we brought in those three transfers. We're big. He gave you the stats of the size. We're big. We're talented. We know wide receivers. We only really lost one wide receiver. And so our whole receiver and tight end group is coming back. I think the numbers around 21, 20 uh, uh, wide receivers and tight end. Mm-hmm. And about 10 and, of those, and about 10 of those are seniors, just like our two tackles and our all our first team all swag offensive tackles are seniors. I mean, grad students. So we're experienced as well as big and talented. So I'm, I'm that you know, the expectation is we're going to take that next step. Just got to see it. Mm-hmm. And to your point about the offensive linemen, the three that we lost, uh, we lost, um, Brian Crawford, who was a longtime Rattler. But I think the two others that we lost were transfers in, Tariq Bateman and uh, Darian Whedon, and they just came in last year. So we only lose three, one of whom had a lot of Rattler experience and others were um, more or less there for one year. So the people who played behind them and got experience, or at least on the roster, and you mentioned T.J. Demas, you know, T.J. Lee, and the injured uh, – Cesar Reyes, now they're coming back strong. So now we don't have, we have a lot of, I would experience, but they're not, they're here for more than one year. So, you know, that just speaks to the depth level that we have. In addition to the people who transferred in, I think the only one who may be, may have one year of eligibility left is the young man from LSU. And everyone else is coming in with at least two more years of eligibility starting with this year, at a minimum, two years eligibility remaining. So that only bodes well for the talent accumulation that we have on the offensive line. And also, and I was asking about uh, the versatility of the running back, and Coach Henry didn't give a lot of detail, but to your your point about the uh, two running back set, you know, we have power, we have strength, we have speed, we have slash. So there's an opportunity there if we need to go to two back set for whatever and whatever formation or whatever the play call may be or whatever the defense look, defensive look might be. There may be an opportunity to have my, more diversity on the offense and be able to pound it in when we need to. And and let me just add one more quick thing. Again, uh-huh. the thing for our this family team, I want to make sure I, I express this. Uh, three of our tight ends are seniors. Mm-hmm. One, one of them, maybe two of them are graduates, right? Grad students. Ter- Terrell mm-hmm. Jean is, is, a, is a grad student yeah. at running back. Then, you know, you talk about Yance and um, who, who will have another year left. But he's a junior, redshirt junior coming in. And then you have Dean, who also is, I think, a redshirt. So we're experienced, too. We're, mm-hmm. we're, we're deep and experienced. And that got to mean something. We've got guys who played a lot of ball, some who played at FAMU, some who played at uh, the the Power 5 level, Group of 5 level. Um, got a nice blend there. So so the, all that experience got, got to count with something, along with the talent. And that's what I'm looking for. Uh, speaking of tight ends, that was one of the – you know, I asked Jeremy when I had a chance to sit out or when he came and joined, he and uh, Javen, when he joined me, uh, during our coverage uh, yesterday, I asked him, you know, who's the offensive guy that has really 
you know, you know, and I know a lot of guys have stood out, but just maybe a guy who's really stood out that we're not talking about. And he said Kobe Gross, the tight end. Um, he, he really felt like Kobe uh, has been dependable, putting in the work. Um, so I, we got a tight, tight end core. And, and I know I, I saw, uh, I saw who was it? EA, EA put, you know, puts up there about the use of the tight end, you know, uh, and, and that's understandable. I mean, that's as, true. as Kelvin that's just true. pointed out, we've got experienced guys, redshirt seniors, grad guys with talent. With with talent. talent. They got a size it, and everything. Yeah. It just adds to the options that we have. And, and look, it, we're as good as we are healthy, uh, but I think we could be a different team every game, whatever the situation calls. Because, look, you know, somebody's strength on day one may not be the next team's strength. You know, Jackson State folks are saying their strength is defensive line. I, I was in the press conference today for the MEAC SWAC Challenge. I heard Coach T.C. Taylor say Jackson State's strength is their defensive line. Okay. So what's that? what's that telling me? that his strength is not the secondary where it was the last couple years, right? That's all they talked about was how strong their secondary was. If And so that's telling me, okay, their defensive line versus our offensive line. You know, maybe our tight ends getting in the secondary or in that mid-range area against their linebackers. Those are the kind of things, our receivers beating their defensive backs. Those are the kind of things that when I hear that, okay, your strength is the defensive line, well, we're going to find out when you guys play South Carolina State but now, okay, I'm curious. We we can mix and match. Somebody's somebody. The next team's strength may actually be their secondary. So what does that mean? Okay, we got to go pound them with the rock. You know. So I I think we can be a different team every week. That's got to be a fun problem to have for Coach Henry and and the offensive offensive team. And so mm-hmm. we, you know, but the competition is going to be real interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and to your point, I know, you know, putting some stuff together for for the team uh, a couple of years when we first started, 2021, I mean, we still only used the tight end, but it was like efficient. They had like 13 or 14 total catches and half of them were touchdowns in 2021. 2022, you know, he dropped off even more. So I know Jeremy Pruitt uh, got some, uh, Jeremiah Pruitt got some a few passes, but it just seemed like we haven't integrated the tight end fully into the offense or figured out how we want to use it. But now that we have, I would say lack of star power, but, you know, now that Xavier Smith's gone, Chad's, you know, two seasons removed. And so there may be more of an opportunity for the tight ends to be more integral in the offense. And just remember, I just had his last tidbit with the running back room. We, we ended up getting to our depth last year. We, you know, by the all Benning state game, we had like two running backs. We were playing a walk on and a true yeah. and, and, and a freshman. Mm-hmm. So, because uh, because because people getting injured and, nick, and nicked up, right? You know, McLeod mm-hmm. got hurt, Jennings got hurt. So, um, and and um, uh, Davis had already gotten hurt previous previously. So, so having that depth is is you know we can't underestimate that. You never know. Like Coach say, things happen. All right, before we take a break, let's go through a few things non-football related uh, or at least non-football team related because I think these are some interesting news and notes. And I know we've got 
some video or not video, but more pictures that Kelvin, you've been out scouring the, uh, the, the yard and on campus and you got some good photos. Let's first talk about that scoreboard. I know a lot of you have been itching. You were one, I, you know, I had a few people hit me up and say, where'd the video of the scoreboard go? You know, we were, we were loving that. Well, I, it's, it's, it's down, but, but look what we got. <laughs> We yep. got a scoreboard. The scoreboard is going up. They put the panels up. Kelvin, talk about this. Yeah, I got that. Was the day. Um, look like they got those, you know, those panels in place within like a, a week. They started, mm -hmm. you know, last week this time. None of the panels up, and um, today all the panels up. Now, of course, all the infrastructure stuff that go with that, you know, um, is still not in place. But it's it's great that. The, work, the thing you worry about when you got a tight timeline with construction is having the materials on site. And so the fact that we had all the LED panels delivered and we already got them installed is a good thing. Now, we still got to get the infrastructure. And then my, my understanding from um, talking with some folks was that the PA system, because we, we got a new PA system coming, coming along that's going to be part of this, uh, will, will come in next week. Is that so, going to be on the sides or above or below? I, I what are those? I, I I have not seen the design of it, so I'm mm. not sure yet. Uh, but I I do know that uh, you know a, a new PA system is gonna is a part of this process too. So uh, and as you can see, they're coming along with the uh, resurfacing of the uh, the, the uh, parking lot, and they've already completed the driveway. Coming from the Wanish Way past the uh, parking garage into the stadium, so we have another access point into uh, Bragg Stadium. Also, um, on the what's that? The east side, yeah. Now, also, we talked. There was there was talk and discussion of if you look at this picture here, and you look at the height of the scoreboard there's room and we were told that they were going to actually put some temporary bleachers underneath i don't know about all that well, they, I have the, they, they have the ability they have, yeah they have the ability to do it i'm not sure what the north end zone gonna look look like uh are they gonna have a similar setup to previous years or what because you know things are you know things are a little different so i have not seen i'm not sure but they do have the capability to do so. But I, I don't think that's been flushed out yet. <laughs> Mike Reed asked, when do they install the fireworks cannon? I'm I'm not really sure. What fireworks? The fireworks that are supposed to go on top of the scoreboard? I guess the ones that shoot up, you know, when the team come out and uh, after victory. Uh, they'll probably still do that from the top of the field house. <laughs> yeah, they better, they better not do it near that scoreboard. It costs too much. Uh, let's move over out to the golf course. Uh, we've got some uh, – obviously, we, we saw the video last week. We showed the video that the uh, that our golf program received the indoor simulator. Uh, we got some adjustments, or what do we got here from – in terms of our, our, uh, our outdoor – putting and driving range correct correct so coach had uh had this vision uh a few years ago we were standing out there in the area where the uh this is where the rex fields are 
and um he had this idea and you know we were kind of discussing about laying out a um a, a area where the golf team and the, the public could uh you know drive some balls and and practice on their game um so on campus so now you know guys players stay on campus that you know is lighting out there also so the guys can come out and um and work on their game um almost anytime during the day and night and then you mentioned the golf simulator uh when the weather doesn't permit now they they can go i think they i'm not sure where they placed it but i believe it's in lawson uh, but they can go where the golf simulator is and still get some some hits in so this is a this is a great recruiting tool and an advantage. We we have a really good team. Coach does a great job recruiting. And there's just really no HBCUs that have those two things in their golf program right now on campus. So uh, we, we should only get better. All right. Good stuff. Uh, congrats to Coach Rice and the, and the golf program. Um I was I was at the top golf over it. It has that look. It reminds me a little bit of uh Top golf. I was at the Top Golf in uh, Birmingham, just kicking it. Uh, I think Monday night before the Slack Media Day, and uh, that was pretty impressive. So uh, I'm not much of a golfer, but I, in my mind, visually, I golf. So, and I'm I play. A, I have a heck of a mini golf game. I have a heck of a mini golf game. So yeah, uh, good stuff there. Hey, one other event that's coming here. I went to this press conference today. Right here, I happen to be in Atlanta, and they had the press conference for the MEAC SWAC Challenge, and Executive Director John Grant announced, uh, in conjunction with ESPN Events, a major announcement, the inaugural Band of the Year National Championship, which will be held December 15th in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay, now, let me just say, first off, that is not John Grant, but... That is Don Roberts, uh, Florida A&M graduate, Marching 100 drum major, the man who was responsible for the choreography of the movie Drumline and uh, Beyonce's Coachella performance. That is Don Roberts, who is a part of this. He is a Rattler. I talked to him at the presser. He's going to be coming on the show. I just got to hook it up with him. But uh, And I think he said his son just... Uh, who was a drum major, just just graduated yes. as well from the 100. So yes. he is heavily involved in this. So if he's involved with this, uh, Executive Director John Grant is involved. This is going to be huge. So let me just – here. I'm going to lay it out for you. This is how it was explained to me. Imagine the college football playoff rankings and how that whole process leads to a national championship game. And imagine that for bands. So each band, Division One and Division Two, because there are two divisions, okay, will have their own national champion. So obviously what we're talking, MEAC, SWAC, uh, A&T, Hampton, Tennessee State, right? And on the Division Two, you're talking CIAA, SIEC primarily, right? So each band throughout the course of the season will – have up to, I believe, four band performances that will be judged. So the bands will submit uh, their band performances, right? And pretty much every 
other week, they're going to, I, I don't know exactly which date they're going to start, but uh, probably I would guess, I would guesstimate sometime either mid to late, I would probably say late September or either October is when they're going to start, but they're going to have a biweekly rankings based on halftime performances, not the zero quarter, not the fifth quarter, your halftime performance, you will be judged on uh, things such as execution, uh, 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 musicianship, formation, entertainment value, all of that stuff will go in and you will be ranked based on, you know, the performances you send. So, you know, obviously let's just, let's use the marching hundred, for example, the marching hundred, they will do a show obviously for Jackson state and the orange blossom classic. Right. Um, then let's say two weeks down the road when they have a, their first home game against West Florida, they may have another performance. They will submit that. And so they will already receive a ranking based on that. And, you know, one of the things that Don Roberts is going to be responsible for, he's already responsible for picking up the, um, the, the judges and sort of setting the criteria of what the judges will look for. Um, so, uh, every week you'll either move up or you'll move down. Then at the end of the year, the top two, the top two rank number one, rank number two will go to Atlanta on the eve of the celebration bowl and compete in this competition for a national championship. Okay. Now, Mr. Roberts was very clear about saying this, this is not like the Honda battle of the bands. The Honda Battle of the Bands, as he said, is a showcase. It is not a competition. This is a competition. And a national champion will be crowned. And so not only will a team receive the trophy, the recognition, but they will also receive a a nice financial reward for winning that national championship. Uh, Now, Mr. Grant didn't tell me or share what that number is. But I would imagine that's probably due to they're still maybe getting some sponsors, getting behind it. And if you give out a number too early, it, it might even be more. Let's just imagine if it were 500,000. I'm just throwing a number, right? Don't quote me, okay? This is, I'm just guesstimating. Let's just say if it's 100, uh, 500,000 for the winning band. Well, you say that too early, then you're kind of stuck there. You know, and this is not this is being put on by ESPN events. So this is not this is not a case of, you know, hey, we're going to be short on money or we're not going to be. No, no, this is big time. ESPN events is behind this. So that means there's going to be some sponsorship dollars, some corporate dollars. And so when you go to Atlanta to uh, the Celebration Bowl weekend to watch uh, FAMU play somebody from the from the MEAC, you'll get a chance to go over and watch. (laughs) (laughs) You see how I did that? You are. You'll, you'll get a chance to go over and watch the inaugural band of the year. Uh, yes. And I, I know everybody wants to know the money. See, I, I know. See, I know that, Mr. Campbell. I know, Steve, Steve. Everybody wants to know where the money is. I'm sure by by the end of September, they will let you know what that money is. But I'm told it is a significant amount. You know, mm-hmm. now, now. Brian, you know, as you're describing it. Yeah. It reminded me, or it actually the thoughts that came to mind is like a convergence of um, drumline. And I know the last two years, maybe two or three years, the ESPN uh, black culture portal, 
uh, they call themselves Anscape now, but it was called the Undefeated, have been having right. band ranking. So it almost seems like a convergence of those two type, you know, the th- the tangible thing we had with the Anscape, but also the competition type that we saw at the end of end of Drumline. I'll, I'll go one further. I know Dr. Cavill on his show the past year, Dr. Cavill is inside the HBCU Sports Lab, which is right here on the Black College Sports Network. He started doing a band ranking uh, over mm. the past year, which, I mean, really, you know, and, and, and his rankings would fluctuate based on if you performed. Did you go travel to the road team? Nope. Well, guess what? You you may have been the number two team, but if you didn't go travel and perform, you might drop because why somebody who did perform, performed better than you. And so it's kind of that fluctuating scale of, you know, did you perform? How did you perform? You know, did you go on the road? Uh, so I think a lot of those factors will measure into this. You know, but 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 the way it was sort of described to me is imagine that college football uh, poll where you're going to have these voters. They're go- uh, people who know bands, who know marching bands, music people uh, like Don Roberts and, and other people like him. They will be part of this voting uh, group of judges. Now, I, I don't know if Mr. Roberts himself will be part of that. So I, let me specifier let me let me back away from that but he is in he's the one who's picking the judges so there will be qualified people judging the bands and so the band each band will submit their uh they will submit their performances to this portal and it'll be up for judges the judges will view it and then so this is this thing is being treated just like a football team performance and you and you know how pollsters look at football performance on a week-to-week basis they're doing the same thing here in this space so uh this I, I, is- I love the idea uh i love that it's because it's part of e- e- esp events i expect for it to be executed well i'm, I'm pretty sure uh the devil's going to be in the details but I'm, I'm fairly sure just like they do with football game expenses will be taken care of along with like you say uh some kind of fee for appearance and uh, additional opportunities once you win it, because that's going to be the driver. Uh, because a lot of bands, I know, like I've heard it over and over, a lot like the hundred, they typically don't like to do competitions like this because, uh, you know, they have their own style. They do what they do and other bands got their own style and they do what they do. So it, it I, I think um, a couple of, uh, comments they were right on point point number one Kofi man I wish he was here to, to, to have experienced this I mean I know he had he had had a pretty good relationship with Don too and yeah. I mean he would have been all he would have been all over this man number yes, one he would, he, he would yeah. have been yes yeah yeah the second thing I would say is uh uh and I know that Don's really versed in this kind of stuff uh but it's gonna matter it it, it it's going to be good. I think it's going to be great for a couple of reasons, not just the financial reasons, but it's going to create controversy, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, folks are going to folks gonna, folks gonna be in an uproar when, when they when they when their band ain't selected, man. And and, and you talk about national champions, man, because them band heads, man, they they all in. So I'm loving and, it. And let me let me clarify something here that I that I see. I, I, I may I don't. I don't want to misspeak about the travel 
right? Because um, the travel component was, again, something that I was referencing what I know Dr. Cavill did uh, on, because remember, his ranking was week to week. Each band has four performances that they will be judged on. So, you know, let's kind of be clear about that. And you have a course of a season, you know, you're going to, you know, home games, whether you take your best road, whether you upload your performance from the road, you're going to upload four of your best performances or four performances. And that's what you're going to be judged on. So everybody is based on four performances. But I think what they want to do is, you know, they don't want you to kind of sit back and wait and hold back the four performances at the end of the season, you know, because you're not, when they, whenever they start this first ranking, they're hoping that in your first two, three, four games that you've uploaded at least one band performance. So now they're going to look at everybody based on at least one to two performances and the first rankings, whenever they come out, which I wouldn't be surprised knowing that this is, you know, as he talked about that college playoff thing they, they probably won't drop that first ranking until probably october you know and so whenever it does come out that first ranking it'll be based on at least one performance one halftime show and then every other week you know there's a two-week gap in between it will fluctuate based on okay you know because let's be realistic famu's not from what we hear we hear famu's not going to usf then they're going to have the home game against West Florida. Uh, what follows that game? Against Alabama West State at home. Alabama State at home. So you got two back-to-back home performances. You may only upload one of those two because actually we know they they may look similar, right? So you're only going to put one of the two out there. And then FAMU's got probably two road games. They may not go on those two road games. And then you got another home game. You, you know, you, So that's the whole idea of having – the four performances, but it's open to all the bands. Um, look, you, you're going you're gonna to pass up on trophy and a money and money. Um, so, yeah. I, and again, I don't, again, the whole travel, comp- it may not be really, people are going to travel on the road, whether they go or not. The question is, everybody records their own shows. So when you travel on the road, is that going to be a game that you're going to upload and, and show? You know, so I look. I've already reached out to to, to Don, and uh, when he comes on the show, we will get more details and we will talk about it. And hopefully, um, we may be able to get him on for next Wednesday's show. Uh, we got already a busy show scheduled for next Wednesday, yeah. so we'll, I don't know. Yeah, if, if it's not next Wednesday, it'll be the following Wednesday that we will get him in and we will have him break this thing down for everybody. But uh, that's the basics. Because I know when this came out, a lot of people were, were wondering, you know, what's it going to be worth? What's the exposure going to be like? How much are teams going to get or the band's going to get? Well, uh, I, I think hey, this is going to be a, this is going to be a big time event. They uh, the right kind of sponsors are putting their uh, money in their mouth behind this. So I, I think you guys will be excited about this. Let's do this. Let's take a short break. I got to run to the bathroom. But and you got you guys may have to as well. So TMI, TMI. I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's take a quick two minute commercial break. Come back and let's get into wrapping up the show with some more talk about Swack Media Day. All right, you're watching the ONG Strike Zone. We'll be back in just a moment.
itchy, squirmy, scratchy, family not getting clean? Get Charmin Ultra Strong. Go get them. It just cleans better. With a diamond weave texture, your family can use less while still getting clean. Goodbye, itchy squirm. Hello, clean bottom. <laughs> <laughs> we all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? At Hampton Law, our primary goal is to provide non-traditional yet effective solutions and redefine the approach to client legal concerns. As your trusted legal advisor, we believe in sophisticated, personalized services that eliminate the confusion and complexity sometimes associated with legal matters. Our high standard for client care and concern, coupled with our extensive legal knowledge and skills, make Hampton Law a resource focused on the protection of the client's interest and overall goals. We value our clients and truly enjoy working with them. Visit thamptonlaw.com to conveniently schedule an appointment online. Tamika Hampton Esquire. 1631 Rock Springs Road, Suite 336, Apopka, Florida, 407-494-1471. thamptonlaw.com. Nope. Nope. Come on, him. Ooh, I like him. The Quicker Picker Upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the Quicker Picker Upper. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge, featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. All right, welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Marcus, Kelvin here with you tonight, uh, the start of season number three here in the ONG Strike Zone. Please do us a favor. We, you know, I, I'm a couple of these social media pages, like our Twitter feed, you know, I, we're trying to get over a thousand followers, um, you know, our YouTube and our Facebook pages. If you guys are watching this show, uh, do us a favor. Yeah, yeah, subscribe, uh, download, rate, review, share. Share this show, this feed, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at ONG Strike Zone. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. You know, download the Jericho Broadcast Networks app on the Google Play and Apple App Store. My JBN, my BCSN is where you can find it. And search for the podcast, always BCSN pod zone bcsn pod zone all of the shows that appear on the black college sports network uh, we appreciate your support wherever you leave it however you donate uh coming up in the fall next month uh we're gonna be doing some extra bonus stuff so you're gonna see some changes to our youtube page those of you get an opportunity to uh 
to actually join the page, a little subscriber thing we're going to do. And we're going to make the commitment. We're going to be doing some live post-game shows this year. So we're going to make the commitment and be dedicated after those FAMU games, no matter how late they are, you're going to get a chance to talk about it with us and maybe a few other people, but you're going to get a chance to talk about it right after the game. Like, And so uh, we're looking forward to bringing you some of that type of uh, content, uh, not only from our show, but the others. Um, okay, fellas, you want to, you want to talk schedules or you want to, you want to talk about the schedule and the TV stuff, or you want to go into the player stuff? Go, go with the TV stuff first. Cause we can breeze through that and then we'll go to the players. All right. So quick schedule update here. Okay. So the ESPN package came out here at the SWAC media day. And, uh, as you can see, more games got picked up to appear on the ESPN platform. Of course, our game against Jackson State will be on ESPN. Uh, but you can see the home the home game against Alabama State will be on ESPN Plus September 23rd. Uh, our road game at Southern will be on ESPN. Now, if that's correct, that's big. Uh, I'm seeing that right. That says ESPN, not ESPN Plus. Am I seeing that right? It's not. It's not on Plus. It's not on oh. Plus. Oh well, I'm. Are you, you really? Okay, that's that's. I'm shocked by that, but okay, that's positive. That's good. Uh, October 21st, on the road, the first, the first time since. In a regular season contest, I got to be right about how I say this. The first time that the Rattlers will travel to Texas for a regular season matchup against an HBCU in nearly 80 years will happen on October 21st. It's been that long, 80, almost 80 years since Florida A&M has traveled to play a football game. And I'm not talking the national championship game that we won. Notice I said against an HBCU, a regular season contest. It's been nearly 80 years. The, the Texas and Houston Rattlers are super excited. This will be an his, a, a packed game. So these next two years when the Rattlers travel to Texas, man, they are, whoo, uh, they are excited. So that yeah. game will be on ESPN Plus. Homecoming, October 28th against Prairie View will be on ESPN. Hmm? Okay. That's interesting. And then November 4th, uh, home ga- uh, no, road game against Alabama A&M will be on ESPN Plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, that also, And let's see. Also, we've got the game against South Florida will be on ESPN Plus. The Florida Classic, Florida Classic Florida. ESPN U U or U, and so and you can see that, it on you can see it on ESPN Plus. That's how I've been watching it because I don't have the U, but I have yeah the okay. And and I think what so that was when we saw this tweet come out at the time there was only three games left. That was the two home games against Division Two opponents, uh, West Florida, and then Lincoln. 
and then the road game against Valley. Those were the only three games that hadn't been picked up as of um, yesterday evening, yesterday. right? Marcus? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then today we get the announcement that HBCU Go, which didn't have any FAMU games up to, you know, this morning, decided to pick up the game against West Florida, which is our home opener, um, which was just pretty interesting. You know, uh, uh, listening to the folks at HBCU go and kind of what they, you know, they wanted to, they wanted matchups and then they wanted to, they want to feature two HBCUs, but I think they, they realized that they didn't have any FAMU games and were like, oh, wait, man, we can't, we can't not have any FAMU games on our schedule. Uh, so they, they chose this one and this is, <laughs> that'll be an interesting contest. And, uh, so right now it looks like the game against Lincoln, California will be on Rattlers plus. So that'll be a, a local fam you produce broadcast. And we don't know what the Valley game will happen. We don't know how that'll be on T, you know, maybe it'll be on Valley's YouTube page. Like it was two years ago. Right. I hope they had the same announcers. Oh, yes. Hey, I'm going to be at that game, but I'm I'm going to put on – I'm going to have me some headsets, man. I got to listen to them guys, man. I love them. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what do you guys think about the coverage? I mean, uh, what do you think about the coverage? Uh, Well, I think – if I could jump in first, I think ESPN is, is falling in lockstep with – I guess all the prognosticators for the SWAC and just they jumped on uh, having family. We didn't have this many games last. I mean, we were on the plus for a good many of them. But, I mean, this many coverage. I'm still a little dubious about the 28th and the 7th. You know, it says ESPN slash to be determined. So I'm curious what's going to be the determining factor. But once they dropped this yesterday, I was like, man, they snatched up all the games because we already knew that Florida Classic and the uh, OBC was going to be on ESPN and you get regional coverage via South Florida for their game. So we already knew three were already on the docket. But then to see five, the other five conference games snatched up by yesterday afternoon. And so the only things left were our two D2 games and and the Valley game. So they I guess they're kind of falling. They believe they're going to have get a lot of or they already know that they get a pretty good audience with FAMU on the docket. And so they made sure that, especially in light of um, the coach who is now coaching in snowy weather instead of in uh, hot weather, not being in the SWAC anymore, that that, um, That FAMU and other teams are going to have to be be him when it comes to the teams that are going to draw eyeballs. Uh huh. Um, anything you want to add here, um, Kelvin? I don't. I'm. I'll tell you what, guys. I'm looking at these. I don't know. I think they left out an initial. There's no way that. I, well, I, I'd hate. To, I'd hate to sound like that guy. Yeah. But I'm looking at that FAMU Southern game. You mean that game is going to be on ESPN? ESPN or not ESPN Plus? I'm. I'm kind of. I'm scratching my it's, head about that. It's, it's, it's a big matchup. And, I would um, like it, I'm, I'm encouraging it, it, him. Well, well, here's what I would say. I, I, I would say, number one, what's interesting about this to me, looking at that ESPN lineup particularly, 
is our West opponents. We playing three of the top four teams projected in the West. Yes. Yeah. I mean, sure. we got Southern, we got Southern and two of them on the road, Southern and Texas Southern. And then uh, and they both in October. Yep. So uh um that's interesting. And then um in terms of uh just the games that it makes sense to me. Our homecoming is big. They've seen our homecoming. It was on HBC Go last year. But uh I mean it's it's a draw. And the mm-hmm. SU game is a rivalry. Um, SU got a lot of good games at home. So I'm I'm interested what they crowd will look like from week to week. Cause I know they played like Jackson State last time winner, I believe, the week before. And of course, mm-hmm. so so the crowd when we came, it was good, but it wasn't typical. I imagine with like when they come to our stadium, it's jam packed. Cause we showing up for that game because it's big does, and then they travel pretty pretty good. So, so but uh, I was surprised at the attendance uh, at the last Southern Family game two years ago. Now, Brian, just as a quick update, um, I'm look. I actually uh, looked at the press release for it, and what they have for those games is it says ESPN Network to be determined for the Southern game and the Prairie yeah. View game and Bethune Cookman. So I don't know. It's like that slash in the graphic kind of belies the decision, whereas the press release says ESPN Network to be determined without a slash. So it's not. I don't know if it's going to be on the mothership. It may be. It may not be. So it's not like a firm commitment. It's kind of like a 50-50. All right. So you kind of you kind of said uh, the same thing that G-Man uh, on the beat said there that. Uh, and that's understandable um i because it what made me ask that is because the fact that that's a homecoming game which always is at three o'clock yes if if espn main channel comes to you and famu that game against prairie view and says hey famu we want your game but uh we we need it at six o'clock is famu is famu gonna take the bag that comes with moving it or putting it on ESPN big channel and move it to a six o'clock game. Do you think fam, you would do that? For homecoming? Probably. It, it, it'd probably be challenging, but I don't know. The price is right. But see, the thing is, since that's a conference game, does it would fall under the conference agreement. So I don't know how much more, if any, we would get any kind of compensation for it. Uh, yeah, good conference. Point. I think the conference kind of leaves is part of the package that 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 the conference has. But if I remember the commissioner talking about it, I think they don't get directly involved. So I, I don't know if, if there's anything that prohibits uh you know above and beyond. Let's put it that way. Okay. Got it. Yeah, I didn't know if you know it is what it is because they already signed a deal. And if they want us to move the game, we're not getting compensated. I didn't know how that worked. The other thing is, you say, in Brian, in your theoretical move into the game, you also got to think about. I don't know who got what package. I haven't really been keeping up with all the goings on with the SEC, Big Ten, and ACC. But three o'clock, three thirty, typically nationally, that's CBS and SEC time. So I don't know who ESPN, if they brought the package or if they have something to counter that with the Big Ten, 
for ACC. So that's typically yes. that 3.30 to 7 o'clock is usually the big game of the day. Well, and that's an excellent point real quick, Brian. You got to remember that uh, that the uh, ESPN lost some inventory. What was it, the Big Ten that uh, I, has, I, has I, locked them out? Is that, I don't think that's this year, though. I think that's next year. Well, they they have to start programming now, though, to see and test some mar- some new markets. They're gonna need some mm-hmm. new new inventory. Hey, it, 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 look, it, it'll be interesting. And, and, and the group of five and the group of five don't move the needle. So I think it's an interesting experiment with HPCO uh, rivalry games because that's kind of look like what they, they're looking at in, in major markets. Well, ESPN's got some competition for HBCU market. HBCU Go has has moved into. Uh, they made partner. They made partner. You know, ESPN is shopping. Mm-hmm. Ownership. You know, yeah, they. You know, I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put any pa- anything past anybody. Right. Um, you know, and I, I just know right now uh, the deal that they have with HBCU Go is pretty significant. Uh, better than anything that's been put out there before. Who was that? No, that's me. Oh, okay. I like it. Whatever it is. I feel like I need a. I feel like I need a video there, Marcus, to go along with it. <laughs> I thought uh, I thought something was going to come in there with that. Hey, um... I did look up real quick. The Big Ten's the one that's moving. I don't know if they were on ESPN before, but they're the ones, the big ticket item that's moving to. I guess a, a combination of Fox, CBS, and NBC, starting July first this year. And it runs through 2029, 2030. So, so it started, I don't know if the Big Ten. July, it started July 1 of 2023? Yep. Because I'm looking at the article from last August. So it's a seven-year, $7 billion media rights deal with Fox, CBS, and NBC. Ironically wow. enough, it's on the ESPN webpage. So, so that, would, that would explain so if, the, the growth in the mm-hmm. number of games on ESPN. Because right now, the SWAC is still finishing up. The con- this contract that they have with uh, ESPN, which I think will be up for renewal in 24 or 25, somewhere in there. And they already have the ESPN Go, or not ESPN, HBCU Go, which is in year two of their 10-year deal with the SWAC. Um, so look, um, the, 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 let me say this. Here's the big thing I, I, I hope happens with uh, football is a small number of the inventory on the athletic schedule. And I really hope that we're able to utilize Rattlers Plus to mm-hmm. highlight more games for a volleyball program. Yes. I hope we're able to show more tennis matches, more baseball and softball matches when that time of the year goes. And I know there's challenges right now that the department is looking into but we got to find a way. We got to find a way. We, we have a great vehicle. Uh, oh, and I forgot basketball. Um, every basketball game, I know it was this past year, but, uh, you know, we deserve on those games, you know, a good broadcast, 
some good commentators, uh, good analysis of what we're watching. I mean, we, you know, the the the, the basketball broadcast deserves a, an upgrade, in my opinion. Well, the ba- the basketball deserves an upgrade. The, yes, yes, I'm yes, it does as well. It does hey, as well. I I don't Kevin. know if we want. Hey, I don't know if we want to show some of that stuff. <laughs> well, hey, hey Kevin, I had a, a quick facilities question for you. With the new scoreboard and the design of it, the layout and the uh, configuration of it, does it present more of an opportunity to have different camera angles? Or does it more make us more TV ready? Does it give more opportunity I, to play? I don't know if there's capacity to place cameras. Can we do that to enhance the angles and viewership? Well, it's going to be a new board with new infrastructure. So I, my my assumption, have not seen the exact plans, and and is that yes, I know to that point. You remember the old school board, the Dattronics, the small school board near the field house, that's going away along with all that signage that was on the field house. All that's going to be digital. They're going to have mm-hmm. digital bands on that as well as along this uh, end zone wall at the field level. So there will be other opportunities to uh, more inventory to do some merchandising type things and so forth. Um, but I think the camp, there's still going to be an actual crew that's going to be given the angles and so forth. So hopefully there'll be enough equipment and, and, and people, which uh, Josh, you know, came on the show and said that he had the equipment. So hopefully there will be a team that can be dedicated to uh, giving more more angles um, and, and, and a more quality broadcast. Now, with basketball, that's the one inventory that I, I do think there's some opportunity with. And I, you know, I would like to see um, a few more of those games. Particularly, we got the Oregon game at home this year. That's one that needs to be on on a on an ESPN platform, you know, a, a kind of national platform. So I hope uh, whether we work that through the uh, conference deals or with HBCU Gold deal, whatever that you know that needs to be a national platform. We gotta we gotta have a few. We gotta. Have a few a few more of those games um a part of the uh inventory we're still waiting to see mm-hmm. what the schedule's looking like i mean i notice you know I, you know look i haven't seen the volleyball schedule um there are schools that are already putting out their non-conference basketball schedules we're still waiting to see ours uh, so i i mean somebody you know. somebody put out a tweet it wasn't a family related tweet but somebody put out um and I know you did it last week, Brian, the FAMU non-conference schedule. And it looked like a good six or seven games. Well, you again, I, I put I put out there the three that we know based on the other school. I mean, what? I mean, Nebraska, yes. UCF, and we already knew about Oregon. Uh, so those schools have already put theirs out. And if, if there's three more that you came across, Marcus, it's probably Power 5 programs that have their schedule they, ready. They were, and, yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, we, we we can get close to putting together that. And hopefully, I hope, I hope, you know, I, I don't want us playing too many Division II opponents. Uh, let's let's keep those to the early preseason. 
And we got to find a way to find some FCS opponents, even if it's in the state, man. I mean, Florida Gulf Coast, FIU, uh, regional. We got to find a way to find some some regional games. We Besides Oregon, we need at least two other home games during the year. I, I, I don't want us to have to play Oregon. And then the only other time anybody sees the FAMU basketball team uh, is when Bethune Cookman plays when we play Bethune to open the season. Yeah, it's real simple, man. We need to have home and home with Mercer, a uh, home and home with JU or North Florida, or both. Yeah. So, so yeah, it, it ain't that difficult to do. Well, it might, it might be, but anyway, let's go to let's get to our preseason all swack team members here, and uh, Marcus, you. You got some great nuggets here. Um, so let me just – I'll first make mention of the first team guys that you uh, that you see there. Um, on the first team, of course, we got to start with the preseason offensive player of the year, Jeremy Musa, quarterback. Uh, also on the first team offensive uh, team, Jamarie Sharid uh, up front. You got Cameron Colvin, Jalen Goss, and then on the defensive side, we've got uh, Javen Morgan, defensive back, also Kendall Bowler, defensive back, and then, of course, Isaiah Major, the linebacker. On the second team, Marcus Riley. Now, a lot of that, it comes from Marcus Riley's time at Bethune-Cookman, where he made a name for himself there. So to see him getting second team all-swag honors, tells you about you know the respect that he got from coaches and ad's coming to fam you <laughs> right well okay but he also Cause, i mean cause, cause he, he put up he put up you know decent numbers at bcu but they didn't have no quarterback you know they were going through so much so they understand a guy who was a full star coming out his talent and you put it with all the other talent we have around that he he could be a uh, breakout player this year. Right. You also got Kamari Young on the tight end offensive side. And then on the defensive side, General Hunt. Uh, General Hunt should have been a first teamer, but I but I understand. You know, people don't people don't see General Hunt or probably didn't see see General because they probably saw Kamari Stevens. But this year you will see and hear about General Hunt. I mark my words, you will Folks will hear and see more. And we were surprised back in 2021 after the 21. I, I fully expected him to at least make second team all swag defense back then as a freshman, and he didn't. He didn't make the team. Uh, Marcus, go through some of the notes. You got some interesting nuggets that you pulled uh, out here regarding the uh, the selections of these guys. Yes, uh, we have six returning players on the on this uh, preseason SWAC team who were, who made the all SWAC team from the, at the conclusion of the 2022 football season. So a lot of the players, um, the ones that made both teams last year at the end of the season, actually uh, their performance and preseason this year, Jeremy Musa, of course, Jalen Goss and Cameron Coven. Uh, uh, Musa was second team all SWAC last year at the end of the season. So as was Colvin, Jalen Goss was first team all swack. Jamari Sharid was second team all swack. 
as wide receiver. Isaiah Major and both Javen Morgan were second team all swag on the defense side. So rolling those numbers up and doing a, a, a quick roll up and hopefully I, I counted the numbers right. But FAMU has the most returning players on the preseason team from last year's team. So we lead the conference with six. Alcorn is second with five players who made all swag last fall and I have them returning this year. And I believe Alabama A&M is third with three players and everyone else has two or fewer. Hey, I, 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 uh, you know, I, I picked Southern to come out of the West. I, barely. I picked Southern barely coming out of the West over Alcorn. I, cause last year I picked Alcorn, you know, I maybe was a year ahead of myself last year, but after hearing that Alcorn had the second most returners, five and, and and like I said, all the positives that Alcorn, ooh, I I I, I I'm okay if 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 we end up yeah. playing Alcorn, I can understand. Uh, I almost if I could change my pick, I might change it to Alcorn coming out the West, uh, just because you know of, of what's out there and and if they got a and if they got a quarterback, ooh, that makes them even more dangerous. Uh, but that's that's some good stuff, and, and that's why you know when we were talking earlier about our the reviewing the the swag the predictions, you know right. Southern's the 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 pick you know from the voters, but I'm looking at the number of returning players from mm-hmm. last year's all conference teams that you know got voted in based on the performance and how many are coming back this year. And I was mainly looking, I was counting FAMU at first because I was only going to do that. Because I know folks, maybe I've seen various things to say, well, why do family get number one in the East and all this stuff? And I was like, well, we have the most returning players. We haven't lost very many. I mean, we did leave some key players like Isaiah Land and Xavier Smith, but we have six returning all-conference players right, across right. both sides of the ball. And then I started looking at the numbers, you know, just looking at the articles that printed out. And Alcorn's got five and Southern has two. And I think one of them's the um, long snapper. So I'm like, uh, they must know something we don't know, or there's something else going on because you have two returning all conference players, and one's the long snapper for Southern. So I'm like, okay, that doesn't well, they, necessarily they, connect they, for me. They, they're running backs. They they got a running back room that's stacked four deep, and their receivers. Mm-hmm. You know, the question about them is the quarterback position. But now, uh, didn't they were transfer. Was it Bashan? Yeah, yeah. They got trans. They got yeah. transfers in, and then they have a couple of guys that were there. I think they got like six or seven guys in camp. So that's okay. going to be the question for them. But they have, they have the skilled people to be scary on the offside. Now I, I don't know. If, I think they're going to have to outscore people though. They need good quarterback play because they got to replace pretty much the entire front four. Uh. T- t- to answer the question, Edwin, yeah, why did I pick Southern? Well, when I looked at last year's numbers, Southern was the only other team besides Jackson State to have a top three offense and defense. And I know people can go to the schedule and say Southern played a couple of, you know, teams that they boat raced. Uh, but I'm talking yardage, not necessarily points per game, or wins and losses. I'm talking offensive production. And they did all this with, as everybody else has said, no quarterback. <laughs> or at least the lack of a consistent quarterback. 
You know, people were miffed at, at the quarterback position from about midseason all the way through. Okay. And, but so I just felt like, okay, they've got this young man, Harold Blood. Uh, the, the Southern folks seem to really like him. And, you know, Coach Dooley has been to the SWAG championship game the last two years in a row. Uh, that, you know, a, again, it was, it was, it was a toss up between them and Alcorn. And again, like I said, I, I last year I picked Alcorn, came up short. I think I was a year ahead of myself. Uh, and Southern ended up getting there. And I, I had Southern two last year. So this year I go Southern and, you know, might just happen that, you know, and, and I stayed away from any predictions in the East. As I said, I would, I didn't make any predictions in the East. I don't care. You say what you want. I'm not doing it. Last two years I got burned. I'm not doing it. Damn you. Damn you. I said it. Hey, I'm week to week. I'm, I'm just like all the coaches. Damn, I'm, God I'm, damn you. All right. I'm, all right. All right. I'm I'm looking at one and O each damn week. Don't ask me about the whole season. I'll because I got some interesting thoughts and I start looking at these computer simulations of what they think we're gonna do and I get nervous. So I I'm just gonna stick to I'm just gonna stick to that. But uh yeah, that's some that's some good stuff there, Marcus. That's some great stuff. Uh a couple of pictures from the uh the weekend had a great time. Gotta gotta give a shout out to uh Josh Padilla um uh at Westside Diddy on Twitter. Make sure you follow him. But uh he did a great job of, of making sure that Jeremy Musa and Javen Morgan found their way over to our setup where we were. Um, you know, great conversation with those guys, man. Um and I and I think, you know, they hadn't really eaten. I, I think I was talking to Coach Detroit Johnson. He had said they ate a they ate a big breakfast. So um so th- they were this was close to the end. By the time we actually got them on, we were probably their last stop before they were going to hit the road. It was about one thirty or so uh, by the time we actually talked to uh, by the time I talked to these guys. And then, of course, uh, Coach Simmons came on and joined uh, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, who uh, he's a PV grad. And of course, you know, when uh, Coach Simmons was at PV, uh, you know, he was a big supporter, big fan. So anytime we get a chance <coughs> to have uh, Coach Simmons you know, Doc uh, always comes in and joins that conversation. Of course, Roy Evans, uh, our, our boss, our CEO, he's a Rattler. So, you know, he'd been behind the scenes all day until this. You know, he was like, oh, I, my coach is on. He went and got a jacket. He got a, went and found a suit jacket and, and everything, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. And then, of course, uh, the OBC executive director, Miss Kendra Bullock, was in the house. So, um, wow. of course. Yeah, she she's yeah, got the. You sit a little closer than AD, huh? What's up, Marcus? Quiet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Marcus, oh, get it, get are, it. You are hilarious, Marcus. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna move on now. I can't even I can't even go anywhere after that, <laughs> Marcus. Well, I tell you, bad. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, it was good to see. I I think I saw. VP Sykes, I think I did. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, um, I'm not going to say she was hiding, but but that, that thing is mostly for not for athletic directors. I know we talked to the 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 ADs who, who like talking and want to talk to people, they make their way around. 
I, you know, there's a couple of them. And, of course, you had one particular AD who was in the process of possibly changing SWAC school. So he wasn't there. And <laughs> so uh, I, I don't, you know, th- this this moment is for the the coaches and the players. So if, if the athletic directors who do come, they kind of sit to the side, kind of watch it all. Uh, I, I'm sure if any media members had any questions, they could – they could ease their way up to uh, to her and ask her any questions. Uh, you know, pretty good stuff. And uh, had, right. had, yes, go ahead. I, what was one or two things out of Sweat Media Day that uh, stood out to you? Whether it be an interview, something somebody said, whatever. The belief is that when. It goes. I'm gonna start one with Alcorn State, uh, because uh, Alcorn, they really. A lot of people said, "Hey, when Alcorn is quiet, that's when they're dangerous." And so I think that coaches, Coach McNair, he's a veteran at this. Eight years, right? And it was interesting kind of talking to him about the first part of his career was the winning years, right? They were back-to-back-to-back West champions going to the conference championship game. Some of them they won, some of them they lost. Uh, The celebration bowls, they lost a couple in a row under his time. And then these most recent years, things haven't gone all that great, right? He talked about the commitment really? and what it's what it's like when you when when everybody wants the football program to be successful and have the resources. Uh, it, it's a great thing, and when they don't, or when they when they kind of get around, or, uh, put it like this: He said, "When you're at the top, you have to keep doing things to stay at the top." You can't get to the top and get comfortable. And I, and I kind of got the sense that he felt like there were people within the administration or at Alcorn who, when they got to the top, they kind of stopped doing all the things that they were doing to support the program and keep the program flowing. Well, I'll tell you what, Alcorn is one of two SWAC programs that have a good NIL. That makes a difference and will make a difference for Alcorn this year. That's all I'm going to say. And so that was that was one thing. And, and I think the uh, the other thing is a lot of people, a lot of people are bullish on Jackson State. And, and I keep asking the question, you know, first year coach. Um, who he said it today, you've lost 60 to 70 players. From a team that put up historic numbers a year ago. And everybody still has this great sense of confidence that, you know, they're going to be right back where they were. Now, South Carolina State, FAMU, Southern, Texas State. Don't care. That's what what you're starting off with. Don't care. They don't care. There's this (laughs) – that's what went. I mean, look, they, the, 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 as they, somebody said, the, the championship DNA, uh, I think that's my good friend, uh, Charles Bishop, who said the championship DNA is still in the building. I'm like, okay. okay. 
Okay. I, I just I it's it, I I and, and, and it's not hate. It's not anti-Jackson no. State hate. It's no, history. It's, it's it's history. The yeah. history of just teams. It's hard to build a winning team when everybody that you had that was a part of it is out the door, is not there. So look, that, that first game against South Carolina State. I mean, look, South Carolina they, State is they, hungry. They, they better win it. Hey, Coach Pugh said today, Coach Pugh said, it's been a long time since South Carolina State won a game. They ended their season with a four- or five-game losing streak. And so they're they just trying to get back to figuring out what winning looks like. And Jackson State, I mean, other than Coach Taylor and the fans and maybe a few people on staff, I mean, are y'all really ex- – it's going to be a fascinating first game. It, it really is. I'm, I'm really interested to watch that game. Yeah. And it, and because, because South it's going, Carolina State it, typically. It's going to set the table for, for both teams. The winner is going to set the table and give and prepare them for potentially to uh, be in a good position in terms of – because they both got really hard early schedules, um, but potentially prepare them to conference play. And the loser, boy, whoo. The loser can go over for the month of September. Again, I'm I'm going to ask you, what are the odds that Jackson? You know, what what are the odds Jackson State wins more than one game in their first four? Uh, you know, I I think they're long odds personally, but we'll see. You know, we'll find out. We'll find out how. How good it is, and you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in the coaching. Now, you you talking about the talent part of it? Yeah, they got talent, but like you say, everybody knew. I just don't know. You know, I, not that the coaches can't coach, but it's gonna be their first time in in some, their position sometimes, and 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 the, the game management and, and all that. I you just gotta see it. You just don't know. It's unknown. Hey, uh, and I'll, I'll give you one FAMU nugget. Uh. A good friend, good friend of, of the network, uh, BJ Jones, um, does a great show. Actually, he's got a show coming up, X's and O's, on the Black Color Sports Network. It's going to be a great, fascinating breakdown. He's a Southern guy, uh, played at Southern. He said something real interesting to me, uh, or when we did a little roundtable thing at the end. He said championship teams, from what he sees in his mind, championship teams don't make the kind of mistake that FAMU, and, and he, I think he's more so talking about the leadership, the culture, maybe the players, the kind of mistake that happened this past weekend. He said that kind of thing doesn't happen. That kind of distraction doesn't happen with with uh, winning winning teams, championship teams. So, and, and he wasn't the only one to say that or reiterate that. So I think a lot of people are kind of interested to see how big of a distraction that thing over the weekend is, was, might be. Because, again, like we kind of talked about, Kelvin, if, you know, something we, – we trip and stumble again at the beginning of the season like we've done the last couple years, well, people are going to instantly go back to that. Regardless of why we lose, people are going to instantly go back to something that happened – 40 days before the first game. Um, and, and and so that that's just a talking, that's just a narrative that's out there. I'm not saying it's true, accurate. I don't believe that, but. It's, it's not. All teams face adversity. 
Hell, JSU had they share the last two years, didn't stop them from winning. So, uh, you know, it can. I, that, the statement is true. It can, it can. derail. It can. It, it, yeah, it can derail a championship yeah. team. But, but you know, every season going to present some kind of challenge, uh, adversity that a championship team has to fight through. And those who fight through it and come out on the other side, those, those, it, it helps makes that bond. It makes them that much stronger. So it can work in both ways. Yeah. Uh, can, so I, can, I, I, can I say yeah. one thing um, please, that, please. that stood out stood out to me that I was really proud of? Valley. When their coach mentioned that they went from having only about 40% uh, scholarships to now 9%, this, and they brought in like 59 players, I want to say, something like that, he said. Uh, Wait, so repeat, repeat that again. They have 90% scholarships. Valis went up to 90% for this upcoming year. Wow. And he said he brought in like 56 or 59 players, something like that, including transfer jucos in high school. Mm. So, so I was glad to hear that, you know, with a new coach and everything that they invested in the scholarship to try to be consistently competitive. That was a good sign for me. So I, I really like, like that. And then I'm going to tell you the, I wasn't expecting this. I got to watch everybody, you know, and uh, I don't know if he can coach. I don't know if he can win. But you, UAPB coach was pretty impressive. I got to go back and watch him. I heard somebody else said that uh, Tiffany, uh, Tiffany Green, she, uh, she reiterated that very exact sentiment that Alonzo Hampton, the coach at UAPB, uh, and, and look, those first year coaches, those, the four first year coaches, um, over at UAPB, Jackson State, um, Valley, Valley, and, and BCU. Three of them are all alums of the school Valley, Bethune, Jackson State. And Hampton over at UAPB, he's from the Arkansas area, about an hour down the road. And he coached at UAPB for like five seasons. Back in the early 2000s, when they one of those years, they actually uh, went to the SWAT championship game. So, you know, he's been in that culture and that environment. So it's like four of the new coaches are there with programs who, are, who have been down. Well, Jackson State had been down, but, you know, the other three were down and they got somebody who loves that university, who loves that school. T.C. Taylor loves Jackson State. People talk about, you know, him and 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 with with great admiration uh of, of him. So, I thought that was pretty interesting for the four first-year coaches to kind of see can they turn their programs around because they want to pour in so much into their alma mater. How's that going to work out for for them, you know? Year 1 going to be tough. The blue bloods are the blue bloods are talented. They got better too, so uh, you know, fam, you ain't falling back. JSU still, you know, very talented. Alcorn, we thinking it's gonna be a top. Texas Southern has got a lot of returning pieces and Prairie View. So I just don't see none of those uh, teams with the new coaches who are at the bottom, and they, they were predicted that way. They may be better and more competitive, but I don't I don't think their record is going to show it this year. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I wasn't uh, Hampton. It, what are his ties to Tallahassee, Keith? Keith mentioned that uh, Fangs Up podcast. Make sure you guys check out uh, Keith and the and the stuff that he does. Fangs Up podcast. I think his show is on Thursday Thursday night, and I think he even drops a show on on Sunday evening as well. Uh, you know, Tallahassee ties. That's interesting. Interesting. Um, so yeah, and 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 Coach Simmons is one of three coaches that are six seasons in. He, Connell Maynard, and uh, Dooley, uh, who all have have six years coaching in the SWAC. Of course, of course, Connell Maynard, he's got a a decade plus of time as a head coach. Hot seat. Actually, no, no, you know what? I, 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 it's funny. It's funny. You, you, we. <laughs> I told you my definition of hot seat on on the uh, on the show. I, I I am less likely to think he's on the hot seat. I I, I really do after depending on the season goes. He, you know, he's close to a hundred wins career. It's like six or seven games away. Um, uh, he there's a sense of. He's a, he's a good interview. Let me just put it like that. I mean, I, I think mm-hmm. there's no short of confidence between he and uh, Coach uh, Hugh Jackson. Hugh, Hugh uh, and, and I'll tell you something about Hugh. I think he underestimated the work. Nah, underestimated is the wrong word. Um, he, I like the fact that he said he had to do some self evaluation of himself and how he was going to get Grambling back on the right track. I think maybe he thought that maybe more was in the cupboard or he was going to, he wasn't going to have to do as much. Not that he's shying away from the work, but I think he looked back and said, we are really further behind than I thought we were. And so he was talking about him changing. Now, here's a guy who's been in the game for what, 20 something years, coached at the pro leagues and hearing him talk about, doing self-evaluation on himself and his coaching style and how he's going to recruit and get these guys to get the best. I thought that was interesting as well, hearing him talk about that. You don't hear a lot of coaches that have have his kind of resume uh, be that honest uh, about saying, you know, I I had to do some some self-evaluation if I was going to get this thing going in the right direction. So, you know, who knows? Maybe that that's why I think people are looking at the West as saying, boy, every week, and it goes right in line with what you said, Kelvin, you know, they may beat each other up on the way to the SWAC championship game. It's just going to be that kind of season, especially among those top five teams. You know? So, yeah. yeah. Um, Marcus, any, anything you want to add and close out the show with before we uh, shut this one down tonight? Uh, no, I'm working on a list of coaches to add to our list so we can follow all the coaches. I'm just looking forward to it. I mean, it's just, we have an upward trajectory. Football's looking up. We got the two-time reigning champs. Volleyball coming back, I'm assuming, based on last year's timing, that they're going to start camp right around the same time as football, maybe a little after. You got to give us an update, Kelvin, of Coach Gokhan. We got to, we got what's coming. I, 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 I talk with quiet. Coach no, I talk with Coach. He, he's coming on the show. Uh, okay. I show so I show is so packed on the second, so he might have to come on the following week, the ninth. But 
But yeah, he's coming on the show, and, and uh, he said that they count starts. I want to say either the fifth or sixth or somewhere around there, but it, it starts like in a yeah. Tuesday. On a Monday or Tuesday, probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and baseball's yeah, looking up, so I'm just I'm just excited. I mean, the trajectory is going up. Schedule, you know, I'm looking for that soft that volleyball schedule. But anyway, I'm sorry, Marcus. Go ahead. Oh no, I'm just saying, you know, between all a lot of different sports are having an upward trajectory. I have legitimate championship aspirations, or have already are coming off a championship. So it's just looking really, really nice. So we got to keep the momentum going. Yep. Uh, want to give one more plug? I noticed we had in our show notes here about the clinic that's happening this weekend, the Willie Simmons Heels and Helmets Ladies Clinic Mm. that'll take place Friday, Uh, $75. I don't know if it's completely booked. Um, Registration ended July 14th, so maybe they're probably all done, but I know that's happening this, uh, this upcoming weekend, so... Um, you know, Coach Simmons putting that clinic together. Uh, we'd love to hear any of all, if any of our listeners or why, uh, viewers, if any of you are attending that clinic, uh, we'd love to hear from you. You know, you can send us an email, ongstrikezone at gmail.com. Let us know how the, uh, how the event went. Um, maybe we might even bring you on the show. We might even bring you on the show to give us, give us a recap of of how that event went so uh kelvin any final thoughts before we close up yeah just one uh we talked about golf a little bit and we didn't get to the uh troy stribling uh former family golfer has been invited to eight to the apga tour and, and partic- participates in his first professional event uh in louisville sunday wow, july wow. Yeah, Sunday, July, what, July 23rd through the 25th. So good luck to um, Troy and 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 hopefully he'll perform well. Yeah. Um, hey, I, I tweeted out, I'll, I'll close out by saying I, I put out on one of our social media accounts, Coach, uh, Coach Patterson's softball clinic. I think that's happening in August. But I, we, you know, I know we got various coaches that watch us and watch our show. If you've got a camp, clinic, or maybe a fundraising activity that you're working on or you're in the planning stages, uh, I know you you may be going through the athletic department, but, hey, we, we'd love to be there to help support uh, your project and your adventure. I mean, maybe we even come and uh, be there live to do something uh, from, from the event. Uh, we're just trying to continue to – to, to help every program to grow, uh, to, to, to meet the needs and, and help with the wants. And we, we, we got some things that we're working on in the background, uh, that hopefully we can, we can bring to, to Rattler nation. Cause I, I think we're, I think we're ready. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, there's a lot of swag schools that are doing things around us and fam, you, we, we better get on the ball. Uh, there's going to be people that are going to be trying to pass us uh, really soon. So we, we have to step up. We got to we have to raise more dollars. We have to support more, be better in, in all of those aspects, not only on the field, but off the field. And that's where uh, that's where we start. We as alums, those of you who watch, 
whether you're an alum or a supporter, uh, we, we got to find it. We got to do more. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're looking to find some ways to engage with you guys. But uh, all of you watching on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, you guys would do us a solid if you would just continue to share this show. You know, retweet the link on your social media pages. Tell your Rattler f- friends in your in your little unique groups. Uh, tell your alumni uh, if you're part of a National Alumni Association. Let them know. Let them know about the ONG Strike Zone. We, we're giving um, as much information and as many interviews as we can with uh, with as many people that uh, have the ties to Florida A&M or Tallahassee or just this community. So continue to talk uh, about us and share this show in, in as many forms. And, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you, uh, Doc. Yes, we, we have taken over the SWAC in record time because they cannot get enough of talking about us. I, that's all I'm going to tell you. Just trust me, being in a room full of SWAC folks, they cannot get enough. They see orange and green coming, and they just like, oh, hell, here comes FAMU. And, and so good, bad, or indifferent, you know, we stay on their mind. So that that's true. All right. We appreciate everybody watching tonight's show. Uh, season three going to be a great year for us. Uh, we appreciate, love all you guys. Thank you for all your support on uh, all the platforms. Continue to share the show, like the show, subscribe, rate, review, wherever you can. Be positive to one another in those spaces, even if they are Jacksonians and Jackson State Tigers. We can be friendly. We can be friendly. We got 39, 39 days, though. Mm. Just get ready. Because after that day, boy, it's just going to be hell. We're just going to give them hell for a year. Uh, But anyway, just uh, enjoy the time. Football season's right around the corner. Uh, The boys report on uh, next Wednesday. So by the time we have next Wednesday's show, it's uh, reporting day for the Rattlers uh, for the 2023 season. That's going to do it for uh, Kelvin and Marcus. I'm Brian. You, uh, you see our Twitter handles. Make sure to follow us on social media and make sure you're following the show at ONG Strike Zone. Bangs up, Rattlers, and make sure when those Tigers get close that you just put them up and you tell them, you know, back up, Tiger, before I have to strike, strike, and strike again. Peace out, everybody.